All right, welcome in to the latest episode of the R. Bill Simmons podcast. I am Tribe, your host for the evening, and I am here with TikTok investors from Twitter. You guys probably know him, tweeting out absolutely hilarious videos spanning some financial debauchery from all over TikTok, and he, he's a staple on Twitter, and he's tweet, he tweeted – about Bill Simmons, he's tweeted to us, so we figured let's bring this guy on. Let's hear what, he, what he's got in Simmons on a lot of other stuff. So happy to be joining joined by you tonight, man. Tribe, it's good, good to be on. I'm, I'm glad I'm finally on the pod. I've listened to a few. They're pretty funny. I probably go into the Reddit daily. I don't know, give or take. Maybe every other day, but I'm in there. It's on my it's on my uh, it's on my feed, and I always see something like absurdly ridiculous from there, and I just end up navigating my way towards towards the reddit channel and just laugh my ass off every time i go there um now, but yeah man reading to the reddit i i have yes nice. but i'm not i'm not i have under i'm not under tiktok i'm under a different name but yes i've definitely contributed uh before <laughs> all right that is fantastic yeah for yeah. most people that come on the pod they don't want to reveal the true name which is fine i mean hey to eat to each their own but i'm glad that you're contributing because some people i have on the pod they haven't even heard of the bill simmons subreddit i introduced them to it and then it's like man i just found my home yeah it's dude it's just i just didn't know so many people so you know i've listened to bill for for a long time whatever right like i think a lot a lot of people have he's been all over in terms of sports but like i didn't know people were so opinionated unlike him and not only him, but like all like the analysts and everything like that throughout like the NBA and, and NFL and whatnot. And it's just so funny to go in there and just see like people's specific opinions. Like, oh, I don't think that KOC is, <laughs> he's not up to par like he used to be. Or like Bill really like was, was shitty this last pocket. You know, it's like, it's just really funny to see everyone's opinions. I really enjoy it. Yeah, it's uh, it, it really is. We're gonna get into that a, a little bit later. Let's start though with this recent Stephen A. Pod, because this was one of the last ones that Bill gave us before he took the break. And look, I've been critical of Bill in the pod. Totally, I think he's in his expiring contract mode. But he gave us some pretty good content. He finishes with Closterman. He gives us Stephen A. Now, I think people either love or hate Stephen A. I respect what Stephen A. does, so I un I understand that he understands he's playing a character. He heightens his character for first take for NBA countdown to be entertaining. And so it is interesting kind of hearing him tone it back a little bit with bill, which I thought was good. So um, you listen to that. You're not listening to a lot of bill these days, but you listen to that one. how do you think of that one? Um, so I'm with you, right? It's like some people hate or love Stephen. A. I love Stephen. A. <laughs> I'm not even going to lie about it. I think he's just an incredible entertainer. And if you kind of know that, like you said, right, like he has a persona and a character. When I, if you kind of know and go into it with the fact that he's not going to provide any real, like, um, you know, factual information, anything that's going to, like, move the needle in terms of just, like, interesting stuff, it, and you know he's just going to be just ridiculous, kind of with, like, Skip Bayless, too, like, you, you go into both of them with kind of the same attitude. Hey, they're, they're fun to watch, man. It's pretty, it's pretty entertaining. So yeah, it was fun to listen to him uh, really kind of like talk about the business a little bit more, right? And like what he's doing behind the scenes slightly. Um, but I also thought it was like super interesting that he addressed himself as 
an entertainer and not as an analyst, right? Because like you would think that him on the show, he wants people to think he's an analyst because he's so knowledgeable about basketball, yada, yada, yada. But he really addressed himself behind the scenes as an entertainer, knowing that, look, like my job is to bring in views. It's not even to tell like good information. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Like we just need like people to watch. Um, and everything's just like performance art to him. So I, 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 I appreciated that aspect of it. Um, but yeah, no, I thought it was, I thought it was interesting. Yeah. See, I feel like Bill is 75% of the way there. He mostly embraces that he's an entertainer, but there's still that piece of him that really wants to be the NBA expert and in the NFL, Oh, he's going to be great at gambling. Right, like Stephen A, is he? He's not gonna care what his record is in picking games. He's just no. doing it for the entertaining show. But Bill yeah. actually wants to end million dollar picks positive for the year and actually takes it seriously enough to not bet too much in order to guarantee himself uh, being positive at the end of the year. So I think Bill's like, yeah, he's he's not there yet, but he's close. But I did like how there there's some mutual respect there, which I appreciate. Because I think Stephen A, you know, he's probably the guy, wouldn't you say, at ESPN? I, like, if you remove, um, but he's not making, he's not making what Joe Buck or Troy Aikman are making. But I think that's the NFL. You kind of put that in a separate box. I say, like, if you think of ESPN right now, you probably think of Stephen A, right? Because he's Dude, first. He's yeah, yeah sorry. Go ahead. Now, yeah. So, so you were, you were, so Stephen A is the guy. But I think he respects Bill because Bill used to be the guy, right? Like ESPN used to be Bill. He was on NBA Countdown. And then Bill sold uh, spot to, to Spotify for $200 million, And Stephen A wants to do his own podcast, so he's going on Bill's pod. And then I think there's cl clearly the respect from Bill to Stephen A because he understands that you know whether or not Bill would necessarily do a first-take show – he does know that Stephen A is that guy now. So Bill once was that guy. Stephen A is now. He's on Countdown, which Bill used to be on. And even Bill, he doesn't like to claim that he's a hot take artist. He said this with Rosillo the other day on a podcast. But Bill, like all the rest of us, he's still tuning into First Take to see what Stephen A is going to say. So ultimately, the, the mutual respect and like they've been through battles at ESPN before – I just thought that made for for a nice pod where, like Bill, this let let Stephen A go, and and that was great to get his insight, and then Stephen A respected Bill. So yeah, it was a good dynamic. I liked it. I you know it's funny like Bill pushed him a couple times on some questions. Like he what was the one question he asked? It was about you know remember the Kendrick Perkins and the JJ Reddick issue from like a month or two ago. I think it was about the NBA voting um, for MVP. And I think Kendrick Perkins brought up something about Jokic being white. I don't know the specifics behind it. Um, and then JJ Reddick got upset and then they went back and forth. It was like really interesting to hear Bill push him on that, which I thought was really good and like pretty insightful. And Stephen A actually had some like uh, really interesting thoughts. He's like, look, this is my show. I know when things are getting a little too hot. I know when somebody says something that isn't factual, I, or if I don't know if it's right or not, I try to steer the conversation in this direction by asking a question, right? Like, it's very interesting listening to Bill push him on that. But yeah, there's definitely like a mutual respect. And, you know, you don't see it with everyone from Bill, right? Like, 
when Colin Cowherd went over to Fox Sports, like, I don't know if he's been there five years on now, but like when he was originally there, started there, dude, if, if you listen to those first, um, first calls when, when Bill calls into the show, he's so demeaning to Colin Coward. Like there's just not the same like mutual respect with Colin Coward as he has with, with Stephen A. And I, and I think it's because Stephen A, I mean, dude, he, like, he is the value of ESPN right now outside of like pure, pure sports watching, right? Like all the other shows, like people just tune into him. So, um, but yeah, no, there's like, Bill has respect for certain people. He does not have respect for Colin. He definitely has respect for Stephen A. And dude, Stephen A is like, whether he's ridiculous or not, like the dude, he dude's made it. He's worth a shit ton of money. And um, he's like the top, he's a celebrity. He's like an A-list celebrity. You know what I mean? Like he's, he's like in that category, I think, or close to it at least. Yeah, he, he was he was high enough where he was uh, he was legitimately offended. He didn't get the invite to Michael Rubin's white party. I mean, he should have. Yeah, he so that's, that's the level of celebrity that Stephen A is on, where he thought, where he he rightly thought that he should have gotten the invite. Yeah, and I think for for Bill's pods these days, when he respects somebody and lets them talk. That is the better podcast because one of my biggest gripes with him is I think over the course of his career as he's risen but yet still interviews similar people, people he doesn't respect as much. He doesn't – he interrupts a lot and he doesn't let them like hash out their thoughts. And I would put Joe Rogan on the extreme other end of the spectrum where Joe Rogan just lets you go. If you want to talk for half an hour, he will not say anything and you can go on and on and on um bill's never gonna do that do that with anybody but when bill's having on like matt damon and affleck he's letting them go because he's not going to get in the way of what of ben affleck making a point about you know batman versus superman right so i so i like that with Stephen a where you, you could tell that bill did have the respect for him because he let him go but yeah to your point he pushed back on Stephen a Stephen a pushed back on him it made for some decent debate so you know the audio issues aside this is the type of podcast that I think it, this is quality content Bill's putting out there, having a very high quality guest. And look, I mean, and we can get into it in a second. You don't really listen to the pod that much, but you listen to this one. So actually, this pod compares to like how many pods are you listen to, listening to these days? If if it's something that's like okay, so just to back up, I used to listen to him religiously, like in the early days, because it was just so fascinating. I love podcasts. Yada, yada, yada. I, I didn't really, I, I'm not like a music guy, to be honest. And so when podcasts came out, I, I loved those walking to work and or I guess at that time walking to school. But um, so, you know, I listen to them all the time. Uh, but now it's, it's some of the stuff is redundant. Like I don't know, Priscilla, whatever. Um, and I'll just pick and choose things that I think are interesting. So if he is speaking about the NBA, I'll typically listen to that and then once because you know how he'll have like multiple segments on a podcast he'll have like you know the first first 45 minutes is we're talking about the nba the next 45 minutes we're talking about the yankees i don't know you know whatever right like there's always like something else that that typically is happening and so i'll listen to like a half of a podcast if i find it interesting or if he's talking about trades or teams that he really likes or teams that he's betting on i don't really listen to the nfl pods all that much anymore um, I grew up in San Diego and so like the 
Chargers moved to LA and ever since they moved, I've just kind of stopped caring about football. So I, I don't really like tune into his NFL stuff anymore. Um, wow, so no cousin Sal pods. I mean, I've listened to, I've, I have listened to those cousins. Sal. like when, when the play, when, when it gets close to the playoffs, I'll start tuning in again. Cause I want to know like what's happening and what's going on and, and whatnot. Um, but no, like I, you know, what, what do they call it? Like the kids corner, right at the end of each podcast, yeah, they talk about corner, like yeah. something parents corn, some stupid that their kids did. That's always, I actually really like that. That's actually pretty funny to me. Um, but yeah, no, I've, I've listened to them before, but typically if it's about the Warriors, it's about the NBA or like something interesting, like having Stephen A on, like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll tune into it. Yeah. I used to be, I was the same as you. I, I used to listen to I call it 99%. The only 1% that I wasn't listening to was Dave Jacoby recapping the challenge, which which I never watched. So that was the one thing. But beyond that, I, I was 99% listener and I was 100% reader. And then, of course, his his fingers don't work anymore. All right. So so you mentioned Rosillo. So we, we talked before the pod, obviously. And you mentioned that you stopped listening to Ryan. So let's get a Rosillo take because we've had a lot of them in this pod, but I'm definitely curious from someone who likes the NBA a lot but ha- doesn't listen as much anymore. What's um what's been annoying you about Ryan lately? Well, I mean, to be honest, I haven't listened to him all that much. But, like, I'll listen to him when he's on Bill's pod and they're talking about the NBA. Um, dude, the guy just got to get to the meat, man. Just get to the point. Like, sometimes he'll just, like – talk about a bunch of different things and then like he'll lead, lead with a story right and then he doesn't get to the meat immediately and it just is like very annoying to me also like he holds on to takes for way too long for instance like chris paul he's like a big chris paul fan he's just been holding on to this chris paul like no i think he's like the point god and this really good nba player and, and I, he is i'm not even saying he's not but like there's just a lot of other like attributes about him that just have not uh, i guess done well with with teammates and other various things and so like there's just i don't know man i'm just over him i don't know how i don't know how to explain it it's just like i'm just tired of like listening to rosillo on on pods with the dumb weird takes and not getting to uh the point on a lot of stuff i i can't i can't really explain it better than that man i wish no I no I, I think you explained it perfectly because that that's what he does is, is he is he's too afraid to take too hard of a position uh because then if he gets proven wrong, he feels like all, all these haters are going to come out of the woodwork and call him out. So he gives you both sides of the story. He barely gives you which way he's leaning, if at all. And then he explains so long to get to those two sides. So there really isn't that much point. And, and for me, like I've never had an interest in, in Rosillo's podcast. I listened to it once uh, over the course of this year, I think, because he had Jim Nance on. I didn't think it was a particularly good interview but even thinking about and how bill relates to ryan bill never used to have this back in the day in the bs report days one guest a week for like the same guest yes cousin sal i think that's different because they're building up chemistry throughout the season guessing the lines it's fresh it's new every week you have a whole host of games to analyze with the nba i mean i call it nba grab bag these just drone on. It's it's oh, what's the all? It's the first week of the season. Who's the all star? Who's the MVP? What are some fake trades? So the, it doesn't have a huge structure to it. They're always playing games back and forth, and 
Ryan's annoyed that Bill didn't prep him for the game. Bill's given a top 13, top 7 list. So it's odd because this is not the – I don't think these pods are as high quality as you would have back in the day because you would have a – Steve Kerr would be on a Monday. Right, uh, right, right. You'd have a Jay Williams on Wednesday. Maybe you'd have two NBA guests one week. You'd have one NBA guest on the next week. So it was variety. It was different. And, you know, maybe maybe the media's changed. Maybe people want to stay in their corners and they really get excited for the same person every week. But I got to say, looking at the sub, and I'm sure you saw this too, there were people uh, that were were kind of were kind of out or they were increasingly feeling like they wanted to be out on the pods by the end of the year cuz it was getting boring. So, Dude, you know, does, I, he, I, does yeah, he still you have it, but. Does he still do the thing at the beginning of each podcast where he um like talks about his life for 5 to 10 or 15, maybe even 20 minutes? I remember there was like a point during the pods where he'd be like, "Okay, so this is let me give you some advice." And then he would he would like go on to talk about some experience in his life, and then try to give the listeners some advice. I don't know if he still does that anymore, but uh, I can't think of like an example off the top of my head. But I just remember when I did listen to him, I literally would just fast forward all of the advice takes that he had, and just get to the meat on some of the stuff that he was gonna, <laughs> was gonna talk about. I don't know, man. I, you you explained it pretty well, but I just like. I can't with Rosillo, man. I just can't anymore. He no, he does the life advice. I, I yeah. believe is at the end of the podcast because people have said they just they just fast forward and only listen to life advice. Funny. Yeah, so he's yeah, he he's all right, but but I mean like look, he, he's an okay guest. Like if he was on every couple of months or like a few times a year, it wouldn't be a big deal. But just every single week it just kind of gets boring after a while all right so rosillo so now you said you also listened to the koc inverno show i listened to that um i, I bet you i listened to that as much as the simmons pod here wow. we take, which isn't like insane but I, I bet you i listened to two at least two simmons pods a month maybe more but like you know, somewhere around, I'm I'm like in the loop enough. But yeah, I listen to KOC and Bruno pretty often. Yeah. And so, would you would you be someone who would would push back against the downfall of KOC? No, dude, I like KOC. I thought that that take made me laugh. I don't remember the specific take in the in the Reddit uh, post, but it made me laugh pretty hard when I was when I was reading it. I I actually like KOC. I think he's mellowed out a lot throughout the the, the last couple of years. Um. And I also like how he'll give a take and he'll have a strong opinion on something and he'll really go for it. And if he's wrong, he like will admit he was wrong and he'll come out and he'll laugh about it and be like, yeah, I was completely wrong about that. And then, you you know, like the KOC laugh after he says something, right? Like, and so, no, I actually, I like his takes. I think he's like, what I like about him though, is it's not, um, it's not all, I mean, he's pretty entertaining, but it's not all entertainment. Like he provides like, some actual real information when it comes to the NBA outside of just like trade talks and stuff. Right. He will talk about like why he thinks the team is good, why they're playing well. He'll, he'll go through different stats. Bruno will try to push back. Bruno is more annoying than, than KOC, but, um, but yeah, no, I actually, I'm a big, I'm a big proponent of KOC. I like him a lot. 
yeah, the, the post I'm referring to for the listeners is is from the, the Bill Simmons subreddit, what happened to KOC? And it, the, it ends with, the ringer was never going to find a Zach Lowe to fill the shoes of Zach Lowe. <laughs> but whoever is editing at the ringer needs to have a conversation with Kevin about his work product. <laughs> so they were not happy. Now, I, I have said this. I have called him a homeless man, Zach Lowe who is a quad A minor leaguer who could never succeed in the majors. Maybe a little bit harsh, but he's he's clearly not Zach Lowe. And I, and I think the reason that I would push back a little bit on KOC now, I don't listen to him in the mismatch or anything. I, I listen occasionally when he's on with Bill talking NBA, is that Bill has hyped him up as the next KOC. So I think that might be where people are just sort of like, why is Bill still hyping this guy when – he is not Zach Lowe, but to be fair to, to Kevin, nobody is Zach Lowe except Zach Lowe. And I, I would even argue that I would like to see Zach Lowe on NBA Countdown because I think he's that good with his takes and with being on TV now. So he's not – KOC is not Zach Lowe, but nobody's Zach Lowe. So I think that, that might be the heart of the issue. I think there's levels to this, right? So to your point, I would say Zach Lowe is the best. Like, for sure. Like, I love I, – I will listen to probably every Zach Lowe podcast. Like, I'll, I'll at least start every Zach Lowe podcast. Um, and then I would say maybe slightly below Zach Lowe, I love Windhorse. Like, mm-hmm. I am a big Windhorse. I will listen to Windhorse religiously. Like, I think he's just very knowledgeable about the game. And then all of – like, he knows real stuff. Like, you know how Simmons will come out and he'll, like – say the little birdie is is telling me that you know Draymond might want to go to the Mavericks or something stupid like that like when Horace when he says it like it's like a real thing I feel like is actually happening um same with Zach Lowe and then there's like everyone below and I would put like KOC like in is in like the average tier of everyone else but maybe slightly above the average tier but those two in my opinion are like you know, they're like the S tier than everyone else is like B tier level or, or whatnot. Yeah. Wendy, he, have you been liking his pods with Bill lately? Dude? I, yeah, I, I probably listen to Windhorse more than anybody. I love Windhorse podcast. He, um, I, I like his vibe with Bill because I feel like with Wendy, he doesn't, he takes things a little bit less seriously. He's more willing to go with Simmons than Rosillo where, where Bill throws out a take. And Rosillo is more like, oh, I got to respond to this take and I'll give both sides of it. Whereas with Wendy, Bill throws the take out and Wendy's like, you know what? You know, that that might be far fetched, but let's see how this could work. And he kind of he kind of rolls with them and talks about the league. So I felt like Wendy has been very solid. And Bill Bill's had him on a couple times lately because he had him on talking late season NBA, maybe even playoffs. And then he had on Wendy as the Wembiana guy. So Drop the Windy because this guy made a fucking career out of being the LeBron guy. Then he parlays that into a solid insider at ESPN. And now is Windy re-apexing as the one by Boniana guy, one by guy, whoever you say. He could be. I mean, his story is more fascinating to me than anybody, right? Like, and I don't know everything, but you know, he grew up in the same, I think went to the same high school as LeBron or like was at least in the same town of Akron or whatnot. And, um, Maybe they were in, even in the same grade. I can't remember exactly. But anyway, so like they, you know, he started writing about him, became super, you know, popular, got hired at ESPN, like you said. And that, dude, he's like the man now. Like, 
like in terms of like the NBA, like he has he has levered LeBron better. Well, no, who's uh, the only person that has levered LeBron better than than Wendy is um, who's his agent? What's his name again? Rich, LeBron. Rich yeah, Rich Paul's. Yeah, he he's leveraged leveraged LeBron. Yeah, right Rich now, and like, Mav Carter, right? This both men, Mav. Yeah, yeah, both of them. But then, yeah, Wendy's like right there though, right? Like he's 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 up there. Like he's made a career out of out of um, LeBron. But like, but but it's good. Though. I mean, like he deserves it though. You know what I mean? Like it's not just like he wrote his coattails and wrote some stuff because LeBron was like this hyper growth machine. Like he he deserves it. He's very knowledgeable. He's like super insider. He knows what's happening. Like you said, he can have like really good podcasts. He's very well-spoken too, right? So he goes on the podcast and he can talk about anything that's happening in the NBA with Bill or anybody else. And you can tell Bill highly respects him. Like, I think he knows that Windhorse knows a lot of stuff and they probably chat back and forth in group tech. I bet there's a group tech between Simmons, Windhorse <laughs> and, and, uh, and Zach Lowe. Like, I, I almost guarantee, and probably KOC's in there. KOC's like, how the hell did I make it in this? But yeah, like, Guarantee there's like a, a group text between those guys. But yeah, man, I, I think Wendy's great. Wendy's great. Now, speaking of Zach Lowe, why the hell is Zach Lowe not been on the BS pod lately? Uh, doesn't Zach like – he? All, it's so funny. On, on, on Lowe's podcast, he always talks about how busy he is. Like he always will bring up like, oh, man, I'm just so busy. Like, oh, man, I had to wake up at this time. Oh, man, like I had the kids and I wasn't able to do this, this, and this. And – I don't know. Maybe maybe Lowe is actually maybe he's actually busy. Um, yeah, I'm, but you could do a home and home. I mean, you're busy. Okay, then what? Take whatever whatever part of your day you record podcasts and do a pod with Bill and vice versa. Dude, I think he's been doing it with Windhorse. Like, I'm trying to remember. Like, I feel like he's been doing home and homes with with Windhorse recently. Actually, he was. He did a lot of them. I think during the playoffs. Um, Interesting. Well, it is within the ESPN family, so I guess I kind of get that for synergy purposes. Yeah, but like Bill is Bill, though. I mean, like, yeah, it's so love awesome. him or hate him. Like, you, you would think they'd want to jump onto the Bill pod. Well, and I mean, if you're Zach Lowe, you can always you can expand your listenership because you remind people that are listening to the BS pod. Oh yeah, I I used to read Zach at Grantland. Maybe I'll pop into ESPN and read them and listen to right. them. Right. Yeah, I don't know, man. That's a great question. But I, when those guys have gone, dude, you know what we need? We need a Simmons, Windhorse, and Zach Lowe pod. Oh, yes. I'd go insane. I'd have to go visit that. I'd pay money to like listen to that. That would be that'd be fantastic. That I wonder if they've done that. that. Well, you know what that reminds me of are are those classic uh, the three man weave with Steiny Moe and Rick Buecher. Remember oh, those that, back in the day? Gotta, no, Rick Buecher, bro. Yeah, Rick Buecher. <laughs> Rick Buecher, bro. The old stretch report guy. Oh, gosh, dude. He's the, he's the worst. Rick Buecher pops up three times a year off of some he'll, – he'll come out with some ridiculous trade talk take <laughs> about how, like, so-and-so hates his team just to try and remain relevant, and it's, like, not even true, whatever he's saying. Yeah, what what is he even doing these days? And is is it Rick or Rich Butcher? Who is this guy? I think it's I don't know. Buecher? Butcher? I don't know. I, I thought it was Rick Buecher. I could be wrong. I don't know exactly. I know I see his face in my head though, and I laugh every time I see his face. Um, I, I don't I know love the chemistry between those two, uh, between him and uh, Mark Stein and Bill. Mark Stein, where's he in the BS pod lately? I mean, like Bill, Bill's got to bring back some of these characters. 
Dude, what happened to Stun? Is he? I saw he was writing Substack. He probably does well. I'm sure a lot of people pay for his thing. Um, he got fired like a year ago from ESPN, or he got fired maybe a couple years ago from ESPN, and then he just went off to do his own thing and write Substack stuff. Like I haven't seen him forever. And it probably hasn't worked because no, we don't know who what he's doing. Yeah, yeah I think he is bad. on Substack, but yeah. That's yeah, too bad. I mean, he was a good insider. He w- he was like a uh, discounted Woj for a little bit. Like he would break. Yeah, I'd say he was one tier below Woj. Yeah, sometimes he would break stories before Woj did. Oh, that's so funny. I actually liked him. I thought he was like pretty interesting. He should get back on with Bill. You're right. I I not Rick. I don't want him. I don't want him anywhere near Bill. But like, yeah, Mark Mark would be great to have back on the pod. Okay, so so here here's this is why Rick Buecher is not well known. He is a Fox Sports 1 analyst for the NBA, but Fox Sports 1 doesn't show the NBA. Uh, so he, he, he pops on to the Nick Wright show occasionally, Ben, to talk about the NBA. That's probably yeah, what he does. Yeah, he, he pops on Speak speak on FS1. I don't, I don't, I don't know. know I, man, I, I don't know who the hell is watching FS, FS1, Fox Sports 1 shows in the afternoon over PTI or something or around the horn. Are they is are they competing against PTI? Are they in the same time spot? I don't know exact, but probably something like that. Well, maybe they would be competing if it's a four o'clock show. It's a competing against NBA Today. Wh- whatever it is, I feel like very few. There's probably only tens of thousands of people watching those shows. The less Nick Wright, the better for all of this. So I think that's probably good. Okay, but then this is what's interesting too. So Kevin Wilds is on that show with Nick Wright. And I love, like, I think the energy that Wilds brings, especially to the BS, BS pod, is fantastic. I'm a big Wilds fan. And, like, he gives off the wall takes, but you know they're off the wall. So you kind of, like, accept that it's an off the wall take. Where, like, Nick Wright will, he'll give you a take and truly, like, lean into it super hard and try to convince all the viewers that he's right. And, it's, and he constantly talks about it. it's just super it's like an annoying I don't, it's like an annoying girlfriend that's like nagging you about something i don't know how to explain it but like it's just i can't deal with like his hot takes kevin though he's just like pretty jovial he's fun he'll give you like an off the wall take people will laugh and like yeah he's 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 entertaining i don't know why he's not like a bigger personality i feel that's like he's very likable he, he should be on a better show well, yeah. because I think he was always a behind-the-scenes guy. That's how Bill knew him because at ESPN, he was doing maybe Sports Nation. That was that show with uh, mm. Bill and Coward, which was big. Oh, and was it was it Carissa Thompson maybe before Beatle? Whatever it was. That show was big. Like I think when we were younger, maybe like the mid-2000s, late 2000s, that was hot in the scene. But – yeah, I, I think Wilds could be doing a lot more than he's currently doing as like a, the third player on Nick Wright's show. Yeah, I don't. I, th- I think that's probably right. Um, I think Broussard is on that show too. I actually kind of like Broussard. I, I think some of his takes are pretty ridiculous, but um, actually, I actually find him kind of interesting sometimes. But yeah, I think Wilds, Wilds needs like, I don't know. I mean, where do you go, right? Like your only other like option is to, if you're talking about the NBA constantly or the NFL, your only other option is ESPN and they're laying off like 20% of the workforce or whatever. Like it's, I don't think he can go anywhere, you know? He, he could be a, uh, a take guy at get up maybe. I just possibly. Yeah. Right. He's, 
I, he does not need to be in a show with Nick Wright. Let's get him out of here. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I agree. Like, it's not like he needs to be. He needs to be on Sports Nation. Like, if he was on it, like, I feel like that's the perfect show for Wilds. Is Sports Nation? It's just like fun, energetic. You guys are talking about ridiculous stuff. Um, but those shows don't even exist anymore. Like those really fun, like Sports Nation shows. Like, yeah. I mean, people must not watch him, right? Because if if they were being watched, they would still be on. Yeah, I remember watching like Colin Coward and Beetle. I mean, that was a fun little duo. I actually like, I enjoyed that back in the day. Um, and then it, I think it would go straight into a PTI after that. And then yeah. it was uh, around the horn. Dude, that was, ugh, I'd come home from like high school and I'd watch that. That'd be so that, great. Wasn't that so classic? I know, totally. Yeah. yeah, like I'm I'm, I'm envisioning going down in my basement, putting that on, working out after coming home from school. Like, oh man, those oh. are the days. That's when ESPN, ESPN was peak during that that time i feel like it, they had great shows great energy i think great people bill was there you know the other show that i really liked uh, sorry i know we're off topic but you know the other show i really liked at espn was um the one with bill and jalen now i don't particularly like jalen rose like oh okay i don't like recent jalen rose but jalen rose and bill and in, in the early days of jalen rose when he went over to espn and they ran they ran the, the nba show Mm. where they would go through each team and he would pull he would pull out like clairvoyant bill or I don't remember what it was something like that and yep. they but that was like a great mix of uh of of really diving into like uh the salary cap of a basketball team who which like which teams can get which players they'd go through like the technicals like how they think the team is going to perform and then they throw some like off the wall like entertainment hot take stuff that was a great show. Like I, I really quite enjoyed that show, um, and I wish like, oh, man, dude, if ESPN had those things back, I'd probably watch. But it's it's probably too late now. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, Bill and Jalen's preview. Those were golden. I mean, those were so much fun. I mean, you could even do those because I think they did those for Grantland. So they were on the YouTube channel, but you could easily throw throw those on ESPN Plus if you want to get subscribers there. You could put it. You could easily put it in primetime programming before the season. I mean, yeah, those are great. Now, yeah, I would agree with you on – I think that Jalen – I think his head got a little too big. Mm -hmm. I think that when he – because I remember him versus Skip Bayless on first take one, one day? Yeah, it was legendary. Of course, yeah. Yeah, yeah legendary. So I was, I was watching that the other day because that came up on Twitter. And, you know, Jalen, his, his look is a lot different. It's kind of a – it's a more classic look. It's short hair and the goatee. It's not this his funky painted-on hair now with ridiculous <laughs> glasses So like he and, like, ridiculous suits. So he had reeled that back in um, when he started. But I think he was a little more humble. He was telling his stories, but he wasn't, you know, being too aggressive about it. And I feel like – Kind of like what happens a lot of time with like sitcom characters and things. You kind of become a parody of yourself. And I feel like 2023 Jalen Rose is a parody of 2014 Jalen Rose and Phil. He's, he's given his sound bites on, you know, the big stories that happened to him. He's Mark Jackson-like with uh, the comments. Like Mark Jackson's whole thing is, you know, mama, there goes that man. Right, you know, right. Jalen's got, got to give the people what they want. So Jalen, you know, the NBA, the uh, ESPN lets him go for NBA countdown. 
is that really a big loss? I'm going to say no. And I hate saying that because I used to be a big Jalen fan, Jalen and Bill, Jalen and Jacoby. But in 2023, he wasn't cutting it for me. The J- Jalen with Bill was great. Jalen and Jacoby, like the early days before it was like a real thing, you would play like at midnight or something um, on ESPN. I don't remember. Some weird time slot. That was great. That was fantastic. And that's your, you, I think you nailed it perfectly. Like, his look is a little weird. His head got a little too big. Um, he, he, he would just like – some of the takes that he would give on NBA Countdown were weird. Like some, sometimes it didn't even have to do with basketball. It was just like out from left field. Um, and like frankly, like to be quite honest, he got, he got very political uh, with a lot of stuff. And it was just I, – I couldn't. I, I was That's like, true. I'm, he was overly political. He didn't need to be. Yeah. It was, like, it was an unforced error by him. If, if you have, like, a platform to talk about something here or there, like, I know that, you know, he talks about his school, which is fantastic. He's done a great job with that. Um, but he got very over-political on a lot of stuff. And then to me, it was, like, like to be very honest, like, I'm tuning into ESPN not to listen to that. I'm tuning into ESPN to get away from that. And he would, like, dive deeper into it. And at that point, I was like, I just can't, man. I can't. I'm out. So, no, I'm with you. I think NBA Countdown, Jalen being out is not even an issue. I mean, to be honest, that show is so weak. It's just weak, right? Like, yeah. if, you compare it, if you compare it to the TNT crew, it's, like, not even, not even close. And I know they're different shows. Like, TNT will speak after the uh, – uh, they'll speak after the game. And I think Countdown maybe speaks out. I, I, see, I don't even remember. I can't even tell you the last time I watched, like, a real Countdown um, – Maybe they speak after the show for a little bit, but I don't think they do, right? I think it's just before and during a halftime. Yeah, they do. Um, And it's because, yeah, like maybe a lot of the time on ESPN, there are other sports going on after the fact versus it wouldn't be on TNT. There'd be a rerun of like Big Bang Theory or something. But yeah, no, let's let's get into um, the ESPN stuff because I think both, both me and you would find that interesting. Did, am, am I out of left field, or do you think that Zach Lowe could be interesting for NBA Countdown? Dude, he needs him and Windhorse. Just put Zach Lowe, put Windhorse, put who's the other? Who is Stephen A on that show? Right, yeah, right now he is. Steve, yeah. Stephen, put Stephen A on there. I don't, I, I don't even, I don't oh, even care no, who's you, a fourth. You person. can't, you can't have three non-players. I don't think that works. Oh, Richard That's Jefferson is the first takey right? for me. Jefferson's fine. I like okay, okay, okay. You're right. Okay, okay. Let's fine. Put put Windhorse or Low on there. One of the two, right? Have them swap. That'd be great. Mm, like, yeah. like swap them in and out. Have uh, Stephen A. Richard Jefferson or be there. Zach Low or Windhorse. And then I don't even I don't care who the fourth person is. Is it Malika because she's hosting it, or do they have like another? Oh, dude, is it Kendrick Perkins? It might I'm be. out. Whoa. I'm out. I'm out. It's done. Whoa, like, Greeny, can't, can't is, it, Greeny is the current host, which I don't think he does a good job personally. Dude, I can't listen to Greeny. I can't listen to a word Greeny says. I'm going to jump off a bridge. I'm sorry. I just can't do it. Because, Not literally. Because Greeny, Greeny is a shooting guard who's playing point guard. He's, he's <laughs> Stephon Marbury. You can't – if you're a point – like Ernie Johnson is a fucking point guard, all right? Ernie Johnson is Steve Nash on the Phoenix Suns. It's the seven seconds or less offense. It's the most efficient offense. It's a new way to play. And look, sometimes if Ernie and Steve Nash need to step up into a three, they can. But Steve Nash and Ernie are trying for 12 assists a game. That's what you need in these TV shows. And instead, Greenberg is shooting like 38% from the field, 
four assists a game as a point guard. Terrible. He's so he dude, that's mistakes. That's a perfect analogy, by the way. That I think that's absolutely absolutely perfect. Like Greeny is just like Ernie lets the conversation flow. He'll start something here and there. He knows when to like stop um, Chuck from saying something stupid. And like he just kind of manages it very really well. Greeny is so direct and so serious with mm. everything that he says. It's such a turnoff, especially like his show in the morning. He's again, he's just so direct and serious with everything. It's like not what I want to like wake up to and watch. And it's the same thing with with I feel like Greeny belongs he he should be like a meteorologist or he 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 needs to be on like um you know, one of those Sunday night shows where like somebody important talks um, about real issues, not about sports. Like he's just too serious. Yeah, that's a good point. The vibe of the show is off. And that's reminding me of how maybe the reason that Mike and Mike worked. Now, I was never a Mike and Mike guy because in their heyday, I was in high school and college. I was not listening to Mike and Mike in the morning. But it worked because Golik is the more jovial, fun-loving guy who jokes around. So there is that there is that yin and yang where go where Greeny can kind of be the more serious guy and they can play off of each other. I think you totally nailed it. It's too serious of a show. I I would also say that Wilbon makes it more serious too. You get mm. Wilbon in there. I don't I don't care about Wilbon's takes. Wilbon is interesting in the context of his pre, his relationship with Tony K and on PTI. I don't need to hear that guy on NBA Countdown. And then you throw Stephen A in there, and it's like, man, this is this is like a bad version of First Take or Get Up instead of a free-flowing show with, you know, Chuck is a great, Shaq is a great, Kenny isn't an all-time great, but he gives all-time great takes. So that's why if I'm ESPN, and I'll go back to when they had Bill on Countdown, and people, you know, there's a lot of opinions on Bill, of Bill on TV I don't think Bill did a good job on any given Wednesday or Grandland Basketball Hour. I do think he did a great job on the NBA Countdown show, and it was because he wasn't the featured player. He was this kind of third or fourth guy. He was the basketball historian. He was a Celtics fan. It was fun to make fun of him when the Celtics did poorly. He was this wonky guy coming up with theories. That's the kind of guy you want to lighten the mood up a little bit. And so he was a good addition there where they don't have a guy like that on the show now. And that's why I think Zach Lowe might be a fit because you could bring him in as, okay, like give me a player perspective. Give me RJ's perspective. Now let's go to Zach's perspective and he can kind of get the conversation back into what does this mean from a GM's perspective? Give me the history on this. Like you don't necessarily need a player for that. For that, that's absolutely perfect. The, the NBA countdown, they're like the, the, the KD nets, right? It's like a bunch of superstars that just don't mesh. Like it just doesn't work, even though on paper it should be amazing. And it's exactly that. You need – Stephen A. Smith and Will Vaughn are effectively the same person. They're going to give the same takes. One's just a bit more entertaining than the other, right? And then, um, you know, you're going to have like Zach Lowe on there. Who Zach Lowe could fill like the, the Bill Simmons spot. Like Zach Lowe kind of has some weird left field – takes but they're all backed in like you know some form of statistics or fact that he thinks is like important and then he'll he'll talk about it um but bill on countdown was fantastic he was so good like every time he spoke i listened 
because it was just so weird. And he would take a deep breath. He'd be very real on the show. He'd give like a really interesting take. Um, and, you know, it'd only be like two or three minutes, whatever his airtime was, but it was always just so good. The one time, the, the best, the best countdown thing I can remember is when I think the Celtics were drafting. It was one, is that one of the drafts and they drafted yeah. somebody? I can't remember who they drafted, but he goes on air. He's like, are you serious? Like, is this a joke? I can't remember what he said, but that's his, he like, he wanted to like jump off a bridge. He just couldn't believe the Celtics picked. I don't remember who it was, but yeah, it was pretty good. Well, and the um, picture for our podcast is him giving a fist bump of, I think they picked a James Young, the Celtics. He was, <laughs> he was excited about it. And and I, I think that is Bill's ultimate apex mountain in life is doing the NBA draft. Some people would say it's a Spotify sale, but I think for, for the peak of his powers, for the guy with the juice, he was on NBA Countdown. He had Grantland. He's being paid like a crazy, crazy several million dollars a year writing for ESPN. And he's on the NBA draft and he's crushing it at the NBA draft. I just felt like that was that was the moment for Simmons. But why did why did he get kicked off? Do you know? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a couple of theories. I mean, I would take it back first to say that so so he did two years of countdown. The first year it was him. Wilbon, Jalen, and Sage Steele. And I think from my perspective, that that didn't work because him and Wilbon didn't mesh that well together. And I mm-hmm. felt like Wilbon felt he was better than Bill and looked down upon Bill for not playing, yet Wilbon himself didn't play. So it didn't really make sense. I think Wilbon was annoyed that Bill was on his corner. Oh, Magic Johnson was the other guy in that. Oh, that's they didn't like each other, right? So, yeah. So I think what happened there is Magic Johnson is terrible on TV. Bill has written about this in the book of basketball. He said Magic sucks on TV. And so he it was funny that they were on together, but Magic did suck. So Magic is the worst analyst of the crew, but he's being given the most amount of airtime. And so the show just didn't work because – Magic has 25% too much airtime. Simmons has 25% too little. And then the chemistry is off. So the next year, they oh, they kick off. Never mind. It wasn't Sage Steel. Wilbon was the quasi host, but still gave takes. It was Magic and Jalen and Bill. So, so that was like way too many people giving takes. He's like green giving takes. The second year, it's Bill, it's Jalen. Great, great starter pack, right? Yeah. And Collins as the coach and Sage Steele as the host. And I thought that worked really well because you had Bill, as I described before, Jalen giving the player perspective great before he turned wonky. And then you had uh, Doug Collins giving the coach perspective. What didn't work was Sage Steele. And there's that infamous moment where Bill says, oh, do I get to talk now? <laughs> Live on air. because Sage, And then Sage gets pissed at him on the show. So that show needed an Ernie-like host to reel Simmons in to keep the traffic going, to dole out assists when needed. And I think just that one year of them together, the chemistry between Simmons and Sage didn't work out, and there was just no need to have him on the show anymore. Yeah, that's too bad. I thought it was good, man. It was – I mean, to, I, I can't even tell you the last time I actually watched NBA Countdown. I don't even know. 
but it's probably been years. Like I just wait till the game to start and I'll just watch. And then even at halftime, I can't even watch it. <laughs> I just leave. Like I can't even watch halftime. It's pretty, it's pretty bad. They just don't mesh, man. It just doesn't work. Like whatever it is, doesn't work. I'm just, also like, I only want to see Stephen A on first take. I don't need to see him for 24 hours on ESPN. Like just, just put him on first I take. He's, he's wonderful on first so. take. <clears throat> but anyway. Okay. Now, so, so we're, we're fixing the NBA countdown uh, show. Wh- who do you want to see on the, the, the broadcast, the best broadcast with Breen? Oh my gosh, dude. If they put Doc Rivers, I can't. I can't <laughs> listen to that that gurgly voice. I cannot do it. I cannot listen to, to Doc on, on that podcast. I did see something today, though, that said JJ is in the lead with that. So I, I don't mind JJ. JJ is actually quite um, entertaining and interesting to listen to. Like, he's, he's a really good mix of both coming from a player. He's probably the best coming from a player, like, entertainment-wise and, like, really diving into facts on how games are played, how people are thinking, what are you doing in this situation, et cetera. Um, so him, Mike, you, as long as Mike is there, it'll probably be a pretty good broadcast. Um, Doris, oh, dude, Doris used to be really good. And I think that in my opinion, she's gotten very, um, with uh, like one-sided in how she calls things. Um, like if it is LeBron playing, if it is Steph playing, or if it's, I don't know, his name, Giannis maybe playing, I don't even know. If it's one of those three superstars playing, like everything that she says is in their favor, even if like LeBron fouled somebody or Steph flopped or, you know, Giannis flopped or whatever, it's always in the in those the in, in the players' favor for those players, and it can get highly annoying listening to. Now, Mark Jackson is exactly the same way, probably even worse. If he was off, I'd be completely fine with it. Um, I was quite disappointed that they got rid of Jeff. I actually, I know that some people like have hot takes about Jeff. They might even be cold takes. Actually, like the majority probably want him off the air. I actually liked him. He was just so, you know, he'd be talking and and. And all of a sudden, you'd be like, Kim Kardashian just walked in front of me. Can you believe it? And it, it was always, like, kind of entertaining to me when he did that. Um, and frankly, over the last year, I thought he did a really good job with the refs. Like, he when, – when the refs did a bad job, he called them out for it on air. And nobody calls the refs out because, um, you know, you, you need the league to support them because all of us are never going to support the refs, right? So somebody has to support the refs. And so I can understand why – you know, the league wants ESPN to always support the refs and, and the calls and whatnot. Um, but even then, like, he called them out, and that's probably why he's out. I would imagine he went a little overboard on that stuff, and I'm sure Silver called in the big dogs at ESPN and was like, he's got to go. Um, but, no, I enjoyed him, man. I'm, I'm kind of sad to see him leave. It should have been Mark Jackson. <laughs> get, Mark, get Mark out, man. See, I, I, I agree with that for sure. Um, mama, there goes that man off the broadcast booth. So I, I, I want, I want my guy to like the game he's covering, and that was my problem with Ben. Mm. I felt like a lot of the time it didn't feel like he was enjoying the product. So what am what am I even watching this for? Like I watch the NFL, 
I'm fucking watching Tony Romo. I don't even like Romo that much anymore, but I'm watching Tony Romo. Dude's fucking jacked up. Oh, Jim, we got third and eight. What's Mahomes going to do? Oh, my goodness. Like, he fucking loves the NFL. I mean, that's that's what I want. Chris Collinsworth gets jacked. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that I want. I want a great call by one of the announcers, Kevin Harlan. I mean, he's known for calling the streakers on the field, but he's amazing. <laughs> Ian Eagle, like all those guys. I don't want Jeff Van Gundy out here bitching and complaining the whole time. So if I'm Adam Silver, I did make a call. And you know that Adam Silver, whether it was official or not, he's sitting with Bob Iger, the CEO of Disney, which owns ABC and ESPN, at those games. He's making it known. I mean, it could it could very easily be a simple conversation of, Bob asks him, yeah, what, what broadcast teams are, are you liking? And, you know, Silver just gives his opinion. And if Disney chooses to, to do that for the next deal, then, then they do it or not. That's interesting about Doris. I'm seeing her get some love. I mean, I, yeah, I, w- I would like the JJ and RJ. I mean, throw JJ and RJ together with Mike Breen. I think that's your booth for the next decade. Dude, I, I completely agree with that. I think they're both good, man. Like, and RJ isn't afraid to go off the path like of conventional thinking um like he'll push back and be like oh no lebron just isn't as good doing this or like oh steph could be a little better defensively here or there you know like he'll say things that like i think the majority of people agree with and he'll push back slightly on it and i i do appreciate that about him also he's he's um he can take a joke uh and i think he does very well with that and i think him and him and jj as players and commentators could push back and forth on each other yeah, that'd be really good. I'm a big fan of that. I I I wonder. I doubt they do that though. I bet it'll be Doris, Mike, and and probably JJ. What I would guess. Yeah, it could be. And you do want good chemistry between the analysts. I mean, that's very important. I think the NBA, especially, like I feel like if you're in football, I I feel as though when you're watching a football game, there's a, there's a cadence to the game where. You line up for the play. Your The announcer is going to set up what the play is. Maybe there's a call out of some motion or whatnot. The play happens. It's the play-by-play guy announcing it. And then, boom, okay, first down. What do we get? Immediately replay. And now it is the analyst's job to determine what actually happened, right? So it's whatever part of the game needs to be highlighted, the analyst goes into. If there's a second replay, sure. And then also in those types of types of games, if there's a lot of stoppage time, then you can bring out, oh, like, hey, we talked to Aaron Rodgers about potential retirement this week. Um, what do we think about that? And you can bring that out if there's a little bit of a stoppage in the flow of the game. I never liked the three-man booth to the NFL because I feel like there's dueling banjos between which mm. guy is going to be the guy to break down the play. I don't feel like it's that way in the NBA or the MLB because there's, there's tons of plays to break down. So it doesn't really matter who breaks it down first. And for those types of sports, you really want better chemistry between the two guys. And if I do have anything positive to say about uh, Jackson and Van Gundy, I do think those guys like each other a lot. And I would put Breen in there too. I think that that three had a really good chemistry together, even though the content wasn't always that great. That's why I think they should put JJ and RJ together, already called games together, already have great chemistry, 
as opposed to Doris, because then you're splitting up JJ and RJ. So, yeah, I mean, like, I, I the reason I like thinking about this stuff so much is because I want to watch the best possible product when I'm watching these games because I think it elevates the game. And ultimately, if ABC and ESPN are going to continue having the top rights, like, we need the fans need a better product here. Like, this, this product has been lacking for so long. Just like the ESPN Monday Night Football booth was lacking for like 10 freaking years and we needed a better product. Like ESPN executives, give us a better NBA product. Like what are you guys waiting for? You know, what's interesting is I've been watching Summer League um, because I'm a weirdo. And you know who's been calling games? JJ and Richard Jefferson. They've been they've called the majority of the summer league games that I've that I've listened to. I think Doris might have maybe called one or two, but it's it's literally just been JJ and um um and Jefferson for for the majority of them, at least the ones that I have listened to. And so I wonder if it's them just kind of getting in the booth and and just getting them reps, testing them. I know they've done it before, but like doing it consistently is a much different game, right? Like when it's your job, it's a little different. So um, yeah, man, I don't know. Like it, it could be, it could lead to something here, but I'm a big fan of that. I'm a big fan of those three. I, I would watch those games. I think there's really good synergy between the three of them. And you know what I think has been missing too is I feel like when I turn on a, a very good above average NFL announcer, I'll, I'll put Greg Olson in, into this category this past year for the NFL. Mm-hmm. I feel like I, I learned new things about strategy. And that's an interesting way to watch the game because look, if it's a top game, we're watching the game anyway, right? Like, it's not like I'm not going to watch the game. But, um, like, the World Series happens. John Smoltz, like, people – some people like him, some people don't. But John Smoltz, he's call, he's talking about pitching strategy. He's calling pitches before they happen. He said, you know what? He threw a changeup low and away last pitch. I think he's going to come back with some high cheese inside this pitch to throw him off a little bit. That's the, that's the kind of stuff I want to be thinking about because then the game is more entertaining because it's more intellectually stimulating. And I feel like the NBA, I don't know about you, but I don't really learn that much in these broadcasts. Now, I get how it's a faster-paced game and it's not as easy to break down the strategy um, as it is with other sports. But at least with JJ and RJ, I feel like they're trying to break down and they're giving strategy a lot more than other broadcasting booths. Well, I mean, Jackson and Gundy sure as hell didn't ever break down any strategy. Okay. So, so those two for sure, I think can. And you're right. Like, I want to watch a game, and I, I want. I mean, of course, if it's a big time game, like you said, I don't really care about what I'm learning. But if it's, if it's the Jazz and the Pelicans playing one night, and I'm at home, and I don't, I've finished with work, and I don't have anything to do, and I'm going to turn it on, like, yeah, I want, I want to be able to watch it. I want it to be entertaining, and I want to be able to learn something about you know, what a team is doing maybe defensively, um, you know, why are they, uh, I don't know. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like just, just something specific about the game itself that might be unique, maybe relative to other teams. And I would thoroughly enjoy watching that. Um, but yeah, dude, no, there's been none of that. You're totally right. On, on, on the NFL, they really break down stuff. And I find that like, like it's an, uh, unconsciously, I find it interesting. I haven't really thought, but that's kind of keeps me tuned into NFL games is watching and, Obviously, like Romo has the energy, but he's so good at, at uh, um, talking about plays in between plays, but also like calling out plays before they even happen. Right. He's like, oh, you know, they're going to go left or, you know, they're going to run the ball to the middle, whatever. 
Um, yeah, that stuff is just fascinating to me. Um, and so I hope they do more of that. I hope, I hope ESPN can figure it out, but I have zero faith that they're capable of doing any of that. No, I don't really know why their coverage is significantly worse than TNT's. It just doesn't make sense to me why. I, very, the TNT, very the TNT one is so fun. It's so funny. And, and um, even they, like, they're pretty dumb, but they also, like, will occasionally give some, like, interesting tidbits. Like, Kenny's very good at, like, giving tidbits here and there while Shaq will say something weird and Chuck will say something off of left field, and then Ernie manages it. They're very good. I thought there was um, – I thought Chuck was fucking dynamite calling out the Celtics for coming out terribly against the zombies. Uh, oh, the heat? Yeah, which, which, by the way, kudos to Bill. I mean, right, right. That was a great call. The rest of his life calling the zombie heat. That was incredible. But yeah, Chuck just brought it, and he really and he was calling out certain. I mean, he he was basically saying that if you're Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, you have to do a better job of leading the team than you were doing. And and frankly, it turns out he probably was right because they trade away Marcus Smart, and the stories of the reason why the Celtics traded him away was that they needed new leadership because at, when he was there, the, the, the two J's couldn't really lead. So I felt like, like like Chuck can really nail it and ESPN just does not have a guy like that. And they don't, they don't even allow a guy like that to cook and develop. And that's their problem too. Dude, that's such a good – I mean, the only one is Stephen A, but he kind of forcefully did it. Um Whereas Chuck is just fun and entertaining whenever he speaks. But yeah, no, that's a great point. That's totally your point. Yeah. All right. So let's go into as well. So you, you listen to other pods um, as again, as we were talking before the show, um, you commented that there's also some garbage pods on the ringer network. So let's, um, let's get a take on that from you too. I. Dude, I don't even remember. I don't even know the names of all the pods. Like, isn't, <laughs> isn't there a pod where, um, like, isn't isn't there a pod where they review movies? And I think I listened to that once, and I was like, I can't do this, man. This is yeah. just so. Well, who? Well, it's reviewer. It's they. 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 Uh, it's called the Rewatchables. Who leads that? What's his name? He's kind of he's balding. He's a white Chris guy. That's Ryan. Yeah, oh my, I can't, I can't look first runner. It's just too much. I can't either. Oh, I love, I love it. We have, we're anti CR heads on here. Oh God! Like I, every time he speaks, it's just too much. I just, uh, I don't, I don't know. Like I feel like he's just trying too hard. I, I can't even explain. You probably know it better than me. But yeah, so that that pod, I listened to a couple times. I really like Shay. Shur- How do you pronounce it? Sharanio or Sharano? Yeah, um, something like that. Whatever. Is is he still at the ringer? You know what? I don't really think so. I think he's doing his um, TV show for Amazon. Yeah, I, I actually – I'm going to see real quick. He, pro- he probably left, I guess. Um, yeah, it's not on his thing anymore. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's right. So he was writing the, the TV show. I, I enjoyed him. Like him on a podcast is actually pretty bad. His writing is phenomenal. I think he's hilarious. Um, <clears throat> dude, I couldn't even tell you the other – the other podcasts. I just know that they have the rewatchables. I know that they have KOC and Verno. And then the other NBA podcast is with um, a former player that played for the Suns. I can't remember his name off the oh, top Raja of my head. Bell. Raja Bell. Yeah, that one's kind of interesting, but eh, I mean, I'm, I can live without it. 
then you have the, the Ryan Rosillo one, which I just don't listen to anymore. And that's those are the only pods I know. I don't know of any of the other pods. Oh, the NF, they have the NFL one. I know that. Oh, and then they have House's, uh, House's Golf Pod, right? Never listen to that. No, uh, I, I would not want to listen to that. But yeah, no, I see. I can't. I don't even know what the rest of them are. Now, for the rewatchables, do you remember what movie uh, that they were discussing when you listened? Um, if you don't, it's fine. I'm I'm just curious because I I think what I feel like it was like a '90s movie, like Sphere. Or like, or, you know, something just like yeah, so like off the wall or something. Yeah, yeah. speed. Yeah, it was one of those. Yeah, it's something like speed. that. Yeah. Yeah. So I okay. So I, I want to give some background and context. So number one, I totally agree with you. I've never gotten the Chris Ryan thing. I I, I would say that I probably get the Sean Fennessy thing more than Chris Ryan. He's the other guy that does the rewatchables with Bill. That's the typical trio. Because at least Sean is like, and I think he would call himself a film nerd, right? So he's looking at films in, in certain ways. I, I don't personally give a fuck about that when I look at movies. Like, right. I, I watch a movie and I want to be entertained by the movie. And yes, if there's things to think about afterwards, I'll think about them. But to get into the deep nuances that these guys get into, just I, I got no interest in that. And then obviously the contrast is Bill – who doesn't even get basic plot points about the movie. So, yeah, so I want to say that the context, number one, me and you, no interest in this podcast, great, we're on the same page. But two things here. Number one, Bill is getting a significant amount of new fans from the rewatchables. Because <laughs> when, when in our Bill Simmons, when people post rewatchables episodes, those get tons of comments, people love those episodes, and I've asked people, because I'm on that sub, and I've been on that sub since 2017, and I'll, and people will say, oh, I'm a new Bill fan since 2020 or 2021. And I ask, I ask them sometimes, I'm like, oh, how did you become a Bill fan? Oh, from the rewatchables. So there's this, whole, there's this whole segment of Bill Simmons fans right now in 2023 that have no idea about Page 2, have no idea about Grantland, barely even know about the BS podcast, but think of Bill as this, like, kind of lowbrow doesn't get the movie but is a fun host for the rewatchables that's what they think of bill simmons so i just think like that's absolutely hilarious that that's their take of bill simmons i didn't realize it was that big i mean if i've heard of it it must be relatively big as people have talked about it otherwise you know i can't even name the other ones but um that's super fascinating i haven't seen a rewatchables in, in the um in in the sub i feel like everything i see is more so about like you know talking talking about how Rusillo sucks or or something along those lines um but yeah no that's i guess that makes sense though right like they're in la they probably have like a i bet it's a pretty big kind of like la community they probably have like you know decent partnerships that can can spread it out um i guess a good listener base but yeah no i just i don't it doesn't doesn't get me off to listen to those things. Like, I just don't care. I'm not like interested to hear what their take is on Jurassic park. You know, it's just that. <laughs> and I would rather just watch the movie again than listen to a podcast about it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Ex- I think I probably lasted 15 or 20 minutes and whatever I, whatever I listened to. And I was like, I can't do this anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm out. But apparently yeah. people like it. 
and then so so for for your to to your amusement probably today they announced they're doing a live rewatchables july 27th in la doing a few good men which yeah i mean people obviously that's a popular movie um apparently it sold out in 37 minutes to take us to the live show I so people they, are big fans of this thing i guess they are yeah i mean i can't think of another podcast where they run through different movies and discuss what they liked and what they didn't like about the movie as it progresses you know i, I mean i'm sure there are podcasts that do that but I suppose they captured the market. And, you know, there's film nerds. There's so many film nerds out there. Who's, and especially people who think they're nerds, but they're not actually like film nerds, right? Where they'll watch a movie and the, and the first thing they say is, the cinematography was amazing. I really enjoyed the act. It's like, you have no idea what you're even talking about. You just, it looked pretty and, and uh, you had like a really good actor in there. And so you enjoyed the movie. So I guess them like maybe going into detail on some of that stuff makes people feel more knowledgeable so then they can share that with their friends. I mean, everybody watches movies, of course, right? So I can see it having a big audience and I don't know anybody else who, who has a podcast like that, but good, I guess good for them, man. What's funny is that the, the film nerd culture, it, it sometimes trickles its way into the Bill Simmons subreddit because of the rewatchables. So w- were you aware that film nerds apparently dislike chris nolan's movies what yes this is this is a thing on the internet for somehow some way some film nerd decided that chris nolan was not a good director and not a good <laughs> script writer and so this is now this is now pervasive among film nerds on the internet where like to be in the to be in the click to be in the club to certify that you're a film nerd you have to signal that you think Chris Christopher Nolan is a trash director. That's so stupid. I know the irony in me even talking about film nerds after t- or speaking about or talking about films after speaking about film nerds. But um, the only like the only two movies that I thought were poor, like not even poorly written, were just a little weird. Uh, well, one was I didn't even understand, but um, Interstellar was just like a little. It was written a little weird. I didn't really love the love angle in it. Um, and then Tenet, I couldn't even tell you what the hell happened in Tenet. But uh, other than that, dude, like you can't shit on Christopher Nolan. The guy's a goat. Like his stuff is amazing. Like you can't Inception. do that. Oh, I loved Inception. I thought that was fantastic. How do you? Yeah. I, how do you not like Inception? I don't understand it. That's one of the best movies. I mean, that was. I thought it was very well thought out and laid out, and it was a it was a confusing concept, and they explained it. I thought very well. Like, I, I thought it was, I thought it was excellent. And it was so cool. Like all the, um, all the action scenes and whatnot. Yeah. It was super entertaining. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah. So bizarre. And then uh, point number two, bringing it back around from what I was talking about earlier. Okay. So Chris Ryan, I totally agree with you. He's, he is a mid pop culture critic. I don't necessarily like him on the podcast. I'm not going to say that I will fast forward through when he's on there, but basically not a big fan, right? So were, were you aware that the Bill Simmons subreddit is doing a March Madness style ringer bracket? I've seen you, t- or I've seen the, the thing tweet about it, um, the, 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 our Bill Simmons Reddit, um, but I, I didn't look into it, so I don't know what's happening. Explain it to me. Okay, so pr- pretty simplistic. Somebody created a tournament of 64 seeds from the ringer, you know, ranked them in each, so it's exactly like, like March Madness. 
And so we're in the final four. And Chris Ryan was a one seed. He made it to the, the final of his brat of his regional. Bill Simmons, one seed, made it to his final. They just matched up in the final four. And guess who won? Chris Adopt- fucking Ryan. What? People like him? Or Bill Simmons. What? Why do people like him? I don't know. I I've reached out to the C. There's an R C R head community. Were you aware of this Reddit C R heads? I didn't know. No. I've reached out to Reddit C R heads. I've said, get, let let's get a C R head on the pod because I, I want I want to know why you guys love this guy so much. I don't see it. I just try so hard. It's just so aggressive. Some of the things that he says, and it, he always agrees with Bill. Like everything he says, I feel like he agrees with Bill and then he'll like give a take. He's afraid to like push back on Bill. Um, but yeah, man, I, I guess I guess people love him. That is so weird. Wait, who are the other two? It is Joe House versus Sean Fennessy. Mm, House can be annoying, but I can see he's also like likable. He's like an annoying, likable person. I like I, I can see why people would, would vote for him. But but Ryan, if Ryan wins this, I, I, I might have to retire from the, the Bill Simmons Reddit, Reddit pod. Oh, he is winning it because the, the voting, there was about 3,000 votes for the House versus Fantasy final um, that, got, that resulted in House. So the championship is House versus CR. There was yeah. 4,600 votes in the CR Bill final. So like the CR heads are obs- really wanted to win this one. I don't agree with it, CR heads. And I don't even know much about Chris Ryan, but I know 20 minutes worth of him, and I knew enough to know I didn't, I didn't like him. <laughs> All right, fantastic. Yeah, look, so CR heads, if you're out there, I know you're very sensitive people. I know that you're also bald, and you're probably a little bit older, and maybe maybe your life's kind of in the dumps right now. And and that's all right. I We're, you know, we don't, we don't. We're not haters here. All we're saying is, any CR heads out there, come in the pod. We'll be nice. We'll have a discussion. We just want to hear from you. We just want to know their perspective. So come along, and we'll, we'll figure it out. Okay. Open invitation, CR heads. You guys won. So fuck it. You guys won. You could take a victory lap in the podcast and make it fun of tribe. All right. <laughs> you guys won. All right. Let's see here. Um, what else? What else? Because we have a fun section to talk about your background. But any anything else NBA uh, you want to talk about? You, you tweeted about how KOC's beard is so perfect. It looks painted. Do you remember that? No, I don't remember that. But it does. I'm glad I tweeted that. It's totally true. Yeah, that was from uh, 2019. I searched your tweets. Uh, you have a couple tweets at Sibbins. So that was one. And then another another one was Bill in April 2021. He said, I'm almost ready to get a Steph tattoo. And then you responded, yeah, getting one tattoo to my forehead. So Steph must have had a great game on like April 19th, 2021. Yeah, I love I love the Warriors, man. I love Steph. So I, I would never get a tattoo. I was just joking. That's that would be weird as hell. But um wait you don't have a tattoo of steph in your forehead right now are you kidding me i know i know dare i you. said i would how would someone lie in the internet like that i know right i know okay so uh, let's um let's do this then let's get a little warriors uh warriors talk here 
Um, let's what, what's what's the run been like? Were you happy they they got brought the guys together? What is what do you think about KD? Like, should why why didn't Steph win over Iggy that year? Like, let's just oh, all the Warriors Jeez, take play on. Uh, okay, so I lived in SF and from 2011 to like 17, and so um, and like I said, I grew up in San Diego, so I never had a basketball team, but I always rooted for the Warriors um, because they sucked, like all, you know, all throughout like the 90s, pretty much. And so it was, uh, I you know, I'd watch the games, I really enjoyed them, and then was lucky enough to move to to San Francisco, and I just started going to the games, right? to um, the center out there in Oakland and, or to Oracle. And, you know, the tickets were like 50 bucks, 20 bucks, like here and there. It was like 20 to 50 bucks. You could sit wherever you wanted. Like no one was going to the games, but the people who went to the games were like, the crowd was like pretty crazy because there's a bunch of Oakland people. Right. And so it made it really fun. Um, And so anyway, long story short is, um, you know, I was there when like things started to take off and, you know, they, they um, started to do very well. I like in terms of like, um, well, okay. You asked about Kate or you asked about Iggy and Steph. So Steph definitely should have won it. Um, it's super interesting that Iguodala did win it. I'm, I mean, I'm happy Iguodala won it. He played for the most part, the best defense. I think you could play on LeBron. Now, if you go and look at LeBron's stats, they're absurdly ridiculous. So like, yeah. I could see somebody saying, you know, how should he win it? But, you know, over the course of, you know, a six-game series, I thought he did a really good job, like, making LeBron tired in certain situations. He played a lot more minutes. He came off the bench. Like, so Kurt, he was on the bench, and Kurt started him, I think, the second game or something. And then things started to change or whatnot. Might, might have been the third game. I have to go back and see. But I get it. Like, I can see why Iguodala won. Um, you know, but I do think that Steph should have won. I mean, if you look at Steph's playoff numbers, they're absurd. And people, like – the, the big narrative for so long, I don't know if you remember this, but the narrative for years was Steph can't perform in the playoffs. Like Steph's playoffs numbers are, are I not, not good. Or, or no, no, the finals. So like Skip Bayless started this whole thing. He's like, I just don't, tr- I just don't, I know. And it's Skip Bayless, right? But, you know, he's starting a narrative and he's trying to back it up with other things. And then it, it ultimately ends up catching on. But for years now, there was a narrative that Steph couldn't perform in, in the finals. I mean, don't you remember when Max Kellerman his big Max Kellerman take was I, you know, if the aliens were going to come down and I had one person to shoot uh, to save us all, I, I would pick Iguodala. Like, are you on drugs, bro? Are you serious? And so, yeah, no, there was like big takes for a long time that Steph couldn't get it done. Um, you know, he didn't have that finals MVP, whatever, but no, I, you know, I'm okay. Iguodala won it. Like um, I think Steph probably should have won it. I'm, and then, the following year, they went seventy three and nine. That was that was hurtful, man. Like that was it was so funny. Where I was watching it too, the power cut out in the last two minutes of the game, and so I didn't actually see the last two minutes. And so, you know, I've seen the block before, but I never like I don't think I've seen the Kyrie shot, and I don't even want to rewatch it because it wow. was like it was so frustrating to me to to see that go down. Um, but I'm glad we got KD. I'm a big KD fan. Like I love KD coming to the Warriors. I like how he gets on the Twitter. I like how he pushes back to like random, you know, Joe Schmoes on the internet. I think it's hilarious. Um, I wish more people did it. I think honestly, he just wants to be, he's just wants to be a part of like the people. And I, I respect, I respect that a lot. Um, 
I know he's weird and he's a little eccentric and different, but no, man, I think he's, I think I like him a lot. I'm glad he came over. Um, I do think like, if you look at Steph and KD, they were like, people talk about who are the best duos of all time. Dude, those two might've been the best duo of all time. Like those two were insane. I think that 2017 Warriors team is arguably the, the best team of all time. Maybe, I mean, obviously, like, you'd probably go to the 96 Bulls and you'd say that they they were the best team. But, like, arguably, you could really choose, like, the 2017 Warriors, I think. Um, and then after that, I think the, the, the um, you know, the Celtics, the Celtics championship win was, was really nice. Like, I'd like to see them win one more, but I'm very content if they don't. Like, they've, they've done what they need to do, you know what I mean? And so I'm, I'm quite content with where we're at. Um, but yeah, no, I can talk about the, the Jordan Poole punch. I can talk about anything Warriors. Happy to. So then what do you, because I'm not a Warriors guy, and I I certainly think it, 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 was, a, it was a chicken type of move for KD to join the 73-9 team. I mean, look, there's, I get why he did it. He wanted to hoop. He wanted to win. It's rings culture. He knows that if he wins there, presumably he would get celebrated for having the ring. So I, I get all that, but I, I do agree with there. There's that competitive spirit that maybe should have been there to say, do I really want to join the team that pretty much was, was just about there. So I, um, I have that perspective, but I'm not a Warriors fan. So I'm, I'm curious, what is the typical warrior fan thought on KD? Do you think it is like what you think, which is, Hey, Happy he was in our life. It was a great player. We got rings out of it. Um, yeah, I mean, is that pretty pretty much what it is? I would say the majority of the people are that. Like, I would say um, most of us are happy that he came to the Warriors. We're grateful he helped us win two championships. Uh, we were sad to see him go. It's unfortunate. Like, he just didn't seem to get along with um, – I think the biggest issue wasn't even Draymond. I think it was Coach Kerr. Um, from what I've read and what people have talked about, but I guess he didn't get it uh, along kind of with the culture that last year. Um, but yeah, dude, I, I I'm gratefully played. I'll support KD. I'm a big, like big KD supporter until they play the Warriors, at which point then I, I won't support KD. But um, yeah, I think the majority of us like, like him, you know, it's not like a, you know, it's, it, it's, it's more, it's not like a love, right. It's, it's like a like, like he's not a Draymond or Steph or Clay for sure. But, you know, it's like me liking, um, I don't know. But, yeah, no, I, I'd say, like, I like him. I, I don't have anything against him at all. That's kind of where I, that's kind of where I stand on it. I know that some – you can see some people get frustrated with it. Um, but also, like, with the competitive spirit thing, it's hard for me to <laughs> – it's hard for me to see the other perspective because I was just so amped right on July 4th when I read his <laughs> – thing that he was coming to the wars i didn't even care at that point like oh my gosh this is gonna be insane and it was dude that i think dude 20 like the casverse warriors were some of the best basketball years like those those finals were intense they were really fun like i really i really enjoyed um i really enjoyed those seasons like this last season you know i no offense to the to the heat and to the to the nuggets but it just wasn't just wasn't the same it just doesn't feel the same like you need you need some like LeBron and Steph stars, I feel like, in the finals and KD to make it like really fun. Yeah, no, I, I feel that. And 
the the only thing that I I think made it tough is that it did feel like it was just inevitable every year that it was going to be them in the finals. So was well, there... remember that we almost lost to the Rockets, dude. We were down three two. Was like, that they... one of those games where they missed all those three point shots? Yes, that was the last. That was the last. So two years in a row. The 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 first year, um. Or I think this was not. It was the it was the second and third year of Katie's time there. So the second year we were down three two to the Rockets, and then we won back at home. And then we had to play them on the road, and that's when they missed twenty seven three pointers in a row. And we came back and we won that game, which is, in hindsight, that's you know Harden can't show up for big games like time and time again. He's proven that. And then the following year, we um, I think it was two two. And that's when KD went down with his leg injury. And mm-hmm. so we had no KD and we were playing a fully healthy Rockets team with Chris Paul. And then we won two games in a row. So there were, there were a couple like, and then, and then in the, in the championship when we played the Raptors after, after KD went down and then after Clay went down, like I just, that to me is like a write-off. It was like, whatever, like we weren't going to win that. We had a, we had a G league team out there with Steph because like our main big guys were gone but um but yeah no like dude we almost lost it was like scary a couple of times even though it felt inevitable I, that's still wild that they went the 27 they, they couldn't someone couldn't have pulled up for for a deuce it, for what oh the 27 in a row yeah so if that's the um uh, who was the coach who's the coach um i can say uh, d'antoni right? right yeah, yeah. it was d'antoni so no like it was the the maury math the maury math is like you like you continue to shoot threes at a relatively like high 30% percentage, you're going to win more games than none, you know, running kind of the money ball style approach. And it just was the one game where like the statistics didn't work out. And it's incredible. I mean, it, it was, I didn't even know in the, in the moment it was 27. I knew it was a lot, but when you go back and you see all their shots, Nobody is driving. Nobody's passing the ball. It's just Eric Gordon coming down the court and chucking a three. James Harden coming down the court, chucking a three. Chris Paul coming down the court, chucking a three. No movement. Because remember, their style of play was spray out the court and let James Harden cook, and mm-hmm. he'd get to the foul line like 20 times. And for some reason, it just I don't think that they were calling the same ticky-tacky fouls as they were during the regular season or even earlier in the playoffs during those fine or during that series. And so he felt obligated, I think, to pull up on threes more than, than driving. And they just they missed 27. I mean, it's insane. Like, I mean, it was, it's funny to me, but I'm sure as a Rockets fan, you, you know, you, you got to go crazy over that. Well, and I'm sure uh, Rosillo can't be that happy as a CP3 guy. No, but Rosillo is a Steph fan too. So he's hedged his bet already. Well, that's – I mean, he wouldn't be Rosillo if he wasn't <laughs> Exactly. Uh, all right. Let's, um, let's finish off this section before we get into you um, on this question. What other pods besides uh, the ones you mentioned are you listening to? And so any um, pod doesn't have to be ring-related, just any pod yeah. in general.
Interesting. I'm not hearing you. Can you hear me? Yeah, now I can. Oh, sorry. I went to my podcast for a second to see what I was. Um, I didn't know that if I I scrolled off, it would um, go away. No, so I've listened to Patrick O'Shaughnessy. I'll occasionally listen to that. I've kind of stopped. Um, it's been gotten kind of repetitive a little bit, but he's, he's very good. Um, and then I'll listen to a Warriors podcast called Light Years, which is really good. Um, <clears throat> and then there's a couple other like business you know, pause that I've listened to, uh, like the, what, what is that? It's like a business wars one, which if I'm on a plane or something, I'll listen to it. And then, um, if I'm on a plane or I'm running and I just need a good laugh, I'll listen to, um, P PMT part of my take. Nice. Uh, and that's about it. Like I'm not, I'm not, I used to be overly engaged with pods and I, I've really cut back to focus on just the ones that I, I enjoy. And I think the ones I enjoy most are Winhurst and Zach Lowe, <laughs> to be honest. Well, yeah, I think the pod thing too is if you have more time to listen to them, you'll listen to them. I mean, when I, when I was in, when I was working in, in, in a office in the city and I was walking to the subway, I was, uh, you know, I had a long time to walk and be in the subway every, every day. I'm not doing that anymore. I'm, work, I'm work, working a lot from home, so I just don't have the commute to listen to the pods. And I'm like not alone with that. Most people are that way. Yeah, I I, I turn them on when I'm showering or getting ready. Is is typically when I'm trying to listen to these things. Um, or like you said, if I'm commuting. But other than that, I just don't have like a lot of time to sit back and listen to a pod. And so I just pick and choose which ones I think are the most interesting. Um, but I mean, a lot of pods just aren't. You know, a lot of them just aren't that that interesting. Now, if they get really niche with stuff, then I find that really cool. Like there's um, like this pod. No. <laughs> I do no, no, this exactly like this pod. Like there's there's one pod I've listened to. I, I I know we've talked about this before, but I like like anime and manga. I know it's kind of weird, but there's a a manga I really like, and and they it's a pod that goes into depth on that. So I'll listen to those occasionally, which I think are pretty interesting. But but no, like I. I, I just listen to probably low and wind horse the most, the most. Nice. Love it. All right. So let, let's get into, to another part of this podcast. So to, to set the conversation for everybody. So why, why don't you kind of describe what your Twitter page is? <laughs> uh, yeah. So I run a, a page on Twitter, which I had no intention of doing, by the way, it just kind of became something um, where I, I find ridiculous financial content from TikTok or Instagram or other places, but primarily TikTok. And I post it onto Twitter and, and that's it. I mean, that's pretty much all it is. It's just posting ridiculous and pretty dumb, possibly some really funny, anything that gets like a reaction out of me, whether it's like jaw dropping, funny, like, something along those lines I'll, I'll post it onto twitter and it's it's you know done pretty well over the last couple of years um yeah and it's not like I, I wanted to do this it just kind of became something i was bored during during quarantine um and my brother who's several years younger than me was like hey you should download tiktok so download the tiktok and i don't know if you you downloaded tiktok before but the app is incredible at determining what you like and what you don't like in um 
a very like select time frame. So within like five minutes, it knew I like finance and I don't like ASMR videos or something, right? And so, but, you know, I was just getting that type of content and I was going through all the, you know, like the 20 year olds talking about how, you know, you, sh you should, <laughs> you should, uh, you should never have a 401k. Like you should put all, you should put all your money into real estate, right? Or you should, you should lever up and buy, um, you know, some, some, you know, uh, you know, some option call that is going to exercise this week or, you know, so something, something that's just like insanely ridiculous when it comes to basic financial information. And I couldn't believe there wasn't a discussion about this. And so the only social app I really use is Twitter. And so within like 10 minutes during quarantine, I was like, oh, I just call it TikTok investors and slapped it together and just started posting stuff. And I think like one of the videos took off and then people just started watching the video. I think mainly out of cringe, like, is this really what like, the, is this really what people are talking about when it comes to like basic finance stuff? Um, and yeah, so that, that's kind of like the history of, uh, of how it started. Yeah. So for the listener, um, you know, we'll, we'll link to the page, but for someone who doesn't have that, the, the account is at TikTok investors, just how you would, you would assume you'd spell it. And yeah, you, you're rocking a, a nice two fifty-seven thousand followers. So people, people love this content. I, I, I found you pretty early on. Um, I watch, I've watched you grow from, uh, you know, starting the account in August, 2020. And yeah, I think, cause, cause I want to head on with you that time in the markets in the world of quarantine, it's mid 2020 into 2021 and people are still working from home. I think what, well, like both, both me and you were in finance, um, or at least we're interested in finance. So we have some experience with that. So for us, you know, I'm, I'm at home, you know, I'm seeing you tweet about this stuff. Davey Dave trader, he was massive there. I mean, I, I think the, the video that really captures the essence of the lockdown where you couldn't go outside and the government gave people a bunch of money. So they treated the stock market like gambling is when Dave Portnoy has his bag of letters, Scrabble letters, and he pull and he pulls out three or four of them and says, "We're going long this ticker." Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just think that was that was the essence of that period, and what you did with your account is you just you captured the feeling of people where they really like. I I know it was some for entertainment, but people really felt like they were going to get fucking rich and there was the GameStop stuff and there was doge and that doge song going to the moon and like this and and the real estate lever up as much as possible all the bitcoin stuff too so like this was and like all of it i got caught up in some of it i mean absolutely how couldn't you you're at home you're like oh i you know these stocks are up all the all this crazy amount but game stocks 300 so it was like you kind of captured that beautifully because you featured the best of what was going on there. And then, yeah, I mean, it just took off. And, and now, I mean, people, I mean, I'm sure like celebs are following the account to get, to keep, to keep, you know, seeing hilarious content. 
Yeah, I, yeah, it's it's weird. I think my funny enough, I think my biggest um is Mia Khalifa. That would qualify as celeb, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think like that might be the biggest one. I, I don't know. I'm sure. I don't know. I think she thinks I'm like the main TikTok account that's on Twitter, and I think that's why she follows me. Um, but yeah, no, that that's that whole time frame was so funny. I mean, I look back on it and I don't think that will ever be replicated in our lifetime. I mean, maybe it might be, but like, I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. I know that we're having this like AI bump right now, but th that's nothing relative to, you know, what was happening between like 2020 to 2021, give or take like the summers. Um, <clears throat> you could literally put, you could put money into anything. You like, during that time, you could just put money into anything, and it was up like three percent the next day. I felt like, and I mean, it was I, you know I know not everything was like that, but a lot of things were like that. And so, all of the content that I was seeing from TikTok, it, it was literally like buying Tesla call options every single week. And frankly, they probably made a decent amount of money because Tesla was up. I don't know how much you know. I don't what I don't even know what Tesla did during that time, but it was absolutely insane. Whatever it did. And then people started getting into um, some of the like um, ticky tacky things and they had no idea what was happening. So I think Tesla did like a capital raise during that time. And so people were trying to like figure out what the share count was going to be and like how much money they were going to get. And it was like wildly off. Um, and it was just funny to see all of these 20 year olds who would put money into anything, then talk about on, on TikTok how they knew that's this stock was going to go up. And so they, they amassed a huge following on TikTok because they were right. They were right most of the time. And so people would trust the, like everybody on TikTok. If so-and-so said, you know, you should go buy, you should go buy Facebook because it's going to do X, Y, and Z. And it was up the next day. And so they amassed these huge followings and yeah, man. I mean, I, I, I don't think it will ever be I, like the ridiculousness of that time frame. I don't think we'll ever be replicated ever like in our lifetime, at least like I'm sure there might be something down the line, but like, it just felt like you'd get on Twitter was the place to be during yes. that time. You'd have to, you'd get on the Twitter and like everybody was talking about like Robin hood. Everyone was talking about GameStop. Everyone was talking about Reddit. Everyone was like, you know, knee deep in discussions on crypto. Like you said, um, you know, I think Doge like really started on TikTok. And I think it migrated over to Twitter. And then I think it migrated over to some of the other social platforms. But for some reason, people thought Doge on TikTok was really funny. And they would talk about how it was going to go to the moon and everything like that. And frankly, it did, man. It, like, it went bananas uh, for a long time, time period. And then there's just like, yeah, dude, it was great. It was fantastic. I wish I could go back to that time period. Like investing was never funner. Um, <laughs> that was incredible. Yeah, I mean, I I, I remember I, I created a little portfolio for myself of, of like, uh, you know, the rocket stocks that were going up, and it, it was insane. Like, obviously, that isn't as high as it once was now. No, right. was in in 2021. But yeah, like like Palantir was was right. going up. like oh, it was ten bucks. Oh, next thing you know, it's thirty five bucks. Like, oh, okay, that's yeah. great. You know. Like you, there's 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 uh, just everything. Wasn't there a Doge guy that was like a Doge millionaire? Dude, heard from this guy. Oh, Go dude, on. I I I I follow him and see what he does religiously. So I'll give you an update. So there was for the for the listeners, there's a guy who 
I, I think he, I, I think he was, I think he took out uh, loans to buy Doge or he, or he took loans from maybe his family or something like that to buy Doge. But anyway, he put $300,000 into Doge. At, I don't know what it was, but it, at one point it was worth like five or $6 million. Right. And so um, he could have easily sold that and, and he'd be done. Right. Like, you're just like a dude at home that's making minimum wage. You just you just hit the lotto with six million bucks, sell it, pay your capital gains, go put it into treasuries. You're fine for the rest of your life. Like you probably aren't going to like try to become some multi you know millionaire person. But this person amassed such a large community on Twitter during that time that he felt obligated to hold Doge until it hit like a dollar or something, and so. It hit like 69 cents and then it went down to 60 and then 50 and 40 and 30 and 20. And he held all the way down. I don't think he sold oh. any of it. And now he's no longer a, a Doge millionaire. He's a Doge thousandaire. And oh. I still think he, I still think he's up on it, which is good, but he's not $6 million rich. Um, and now what he does is he promotes cryptocurrencies on his Twitter, Twitter page. Uh, okay. Well, yeah. So he's getting paid for that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Pretty. It's pretty like, we can laugh, but it's kind of sad, man. Like, I think there was a lot of people like that who had like really big wins and just didn't, we got so greedy. They weren't able to just sell even a little bit. I think for him though, he felt obligated to hold it because he had massed this like Dogecoin community. And if he sold it, then he felt like everyone else was going to sell it. And so he didn't do that, but either way, it's pretty stupid of him. And I don't feel bad for him because he's a sh crypto shiller now and it all kind of makes sense you know <laughs> yeah and, and now do i have it right that you've changed a little bit of the videos you put on what do you mean that it, were you doing more and maybe it's just because it's tiktok like it does does tiktok now not allow promotion of individual stocks for crypto oh no you can definitely you can definitely do all of it i think there was a time period for a month that they banned it and then they just oh that was i'm thinking of okay yeah and then they unbanned it quickly because there was a I, I think a lot of the engagement on tiktok was from crypto and so <laughs> i think they they unbanned it quickly because they wanted that continued engagement right well i i remember that there would be movements on tiktok to say let's buy this cryptocurrency and it it would fucking move the price i mean absolutely it would dude they this stuff that on TikTok during that time, it'd be things like, it'd be things like, hey guys, I have this really good idea. If we all buy Asscoin right now, <laughs> then more people will buy it and the price is gonna go up. And if more people buy it, the price will go up and then we can sell it when it's really high. Not knowing, they had no idea that it was a pump and dump. Like they unconsciously were promoting a pump and dump. I mean, that's how I knew, I think some of these people were when it, when it came to this stuff. Um, yeah, it's, dude. And, and then anyway, I won't, I won't get into all of it, but yeah, like that, it was just ridiculous. It was fun. It was definitely fun. Yeah. So now, so you have an account now with a lot of followers, you just doing it for fun or are you potentially thinking of, uh, thinking of some ways to, to have, have maybe more than fun with it? Yeah, I've been figuring out how to monetize it. I mean, like monetizing a Twitter account is difficult. Um, <clears throat> even with a lot of followers and engagement, it's still pretty difficult. Um, 
And so I've recently been doing a few brand deals that I've gotten, but you know, it's like side money touch stuff, right? This isn't like, you can't make a living off of, off of any of this. Um, but you could, I like the ways I think to monetize a Twitter account, you start a newsletter, um, yep. you go partner with a cryptocurrency exchange. And I think there's probably some crypto exchanges that are legit, but I would say the majority of them probably aren't. Um, <clears throat> and, um, or you just try to do like retweets or engagement posting for different accounts or people or, you know, placing link ads below a popular tweet. So it's something I've been doing is if I have a viral tweet that goes off, I'll pay, I'll post a, um, a partnership link below that tweet. So it looks a little bit more organic. It's not as forceful, right? Like me just tweeting, Hey, go check out this company. It's, you know, I post it in the comment section below a viral tweet. And then when people scroll through, this is the first thing that they see um, before they see the comments. And that's actually worked pretty well. I get like decent um, click rates on that, but uh, yeah, but other than that, it, it's hard. It's really hard to grow. Like if you had a large Instagram following or a large newsletter, you can easily monetize that. I think a Twitter account is very difficult. So do you think that threat that either threads could change some of that? Or do you think with Elon on board, maybe there would be some some better ways to monetize? Well, I never so I don't know if people know, but this last week Twitter started paying out to creators on the platform. But there was only like a handful of there's like 30 people that got paid and they made it a really big deal. They um, did, yeah. And it, it was a lot of kind of like the political people. Dude, it was all Tesla lovers and political people. Yeah, Tesla lovers, yeah. And that was it. It was like Tesla supporters and and like hard right Republicans, right? And and that and that was it. There was nobody oh, you else. Didn't get a payout? No, I didn't get a no. There's there's literally when I say there's wow. thirty people, there's probably like thirty to fifty people who got a payout. That and surprises payout, me because you have a ton of engagement on your tweets. Yeah. So they the way it worked was they got paid for the last five months based off of impressions. And so um, somebody who had like 200 million impressions over a five month period got paid like 7K or something like that. I don't, I don't know what the math is. I haven't like broken it all down, but I would say like my impressions over the last five months is, is lower than that, but it's like not too far off. And so part of me is like, okay, well, are you going to pay me 7K or am I going to be like the, the secondary payment and I'm going to get like $217, right? Well, I could definitely see something like that happening where it was just all like a, like a, um, it was just a marketing tool to get people to sign up for Twitter blue in hopes that these people in hopes that you can get paid. Right. And I think it probably worked. I think it did well for a lot of people, but I actually think that they're going to, they're going to like flop this pretty hard. I think people are going to get mad that they're not getting paid. I don't think that it's going to be equal. I think that some people are going to get paid way more than others and people are going to be frustrated about it. I think it's going to flop <laughs> pretty hard. And in terms of threads, I don't know, man. I I haven't used it. I stopped using it personally. Um, it's been it's, weak lately. Yeah, it's definitely been weak. And I, I will say the threads uh, – discussion and communication is a much higher like IQ than Twitter for sure. And so when I do go on it, I actually find it a little refreshing because I know that like, I don't feel like my account belongs on threads to be honest. Like it's, it's not, it's not degenerate enough to be on threads uh, uh, or it's too degenerate to be on threads. Sorry. 
Uh, well, in threads, you don't know if things are going viral, which is interesting. Because you don't actually see the retweets. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. I, I get a notification that somebody retweeted it, but I don't know if it's viral or not. I guess you can kind of tell based, based off of the likes, but I don't know. Yeah, it's just this interesting design choice by them. Not Because people have claimed that the reason they're doing that is to foster less of a dunking on culture where you can dunk on people in the quote tweets. Because now you can't see if people are getting dunked on in quote tweets. Oh, it's like a it's like a cycle. Like you see one person, then you kind of egg on, and everyone kind of comes in. I, I can see that. Yeah, like if if any of us had a terrible tweet, or like if Bill Simmons had a hilarious tweet, you know, you could just click on the quote tweets, and everybody's killing them, right? But yeah. that you that is not possible on Threads, at least right now. And I don't think they're going to change that anytime soon. That they don't they don't say they're going to change that. That's probably smart. I. I do think that threads will be around. I don't like people are like, Oh, threads is done. No, it's not, dude. They just got a hundred plus million people signed up. Like not, not going anywhere. They'll figure out how to get engagement back up. Like it's Mark, dude. He's run this. He's run this with, with how many of the different products that he owns. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and they're and, not yeah. even spending almost any mark. They're not marketing it. They're not spending much time on it. They're not spending much money on it. Dude, if they if Mark wanted to have a little payout pool for people on Threads for for threading, like they have more cash than Twitter is worth, right? <laughs> it's like they can easily they can easily play that game if they want to, easily. But yeah, I don't know. I are you on it? Like how are how? All right, I know that you were kind of going hard with it at the beginning. I just haven't been on it. How, how is it like? Yeah, I I went hard on it at the beginning because I. Just in case it was uh, the new the new thing, I wanted to make sure I was on there. And then also, because when because I went on it at the beginning, I, now I have a bunch of followers who were like very attuned to threads. So yeah, like if, if I throw a meme up now, if I throw it up on both Twitter and Threads, great. I'll see which one does better. But am I actually spending that much time on Threads? Not really. I'm definitely yeah. spending more time on Twitter again. That wasn't the case for maybe the first week of threads, but now I'm, yeah, like you said, like, and uh, for me, I like, I like the, the memes, the memes and the videos. I mean, that's my style. So if that's not taken off as much on threads, then I probably don't need to be there as much. Yeah. It didn't, I, I don't feel like I'm high enough class to be on threads. <laughs> so, so I think, I think I'll probably just stick with Twitter, but it is an asymmetric opportunity. I think maybe you said that, or somebody said that to, um, to try and to try and grow like a platform on there. Like you, like there's really, if you're posting something on Twitter, it takes three seconds to go and post on the threads. Um, so you, you might as well do it. But even then I'm just kind of, I've kind of just stopped, but I do believe in Zuck. I think that he'll figure out how to monetize I think he'll figure out how to monetize it. I think he'll figure out how to bring engagement back. Um, and I think that they're going to figure out the, the feed. So it's much tailor, much more tailored to like your interest and likes immediately. Cause the feed was so bad the first couple of days, but dude, Oof, I, I was yeah. getting, I was getting literally Indian celebrities and cricket players for like, Man, that was I, my I'm, feed. I'm dying to know why they thought that for you. I don't know. I didn't like, I didn't like any, thing regard i'm not from india i'm not i'm not indian I'm, i don't know anything about india and yet my feed for a whole 24 hours was 
Indian celebrities and cricket players. And I, I don't know how that happened, but um, it kind of turned me off because I was like, I'm, I, I kept scrolling through and I kept muting more and more um, Indian celebrities thinking that the mute would change the algorithm, right? It would take me to something that's a different category and it never did. So I was like, oh. but I, I'm sure that they'll adjust that and fix that and it'll, it'll be much cleaner. Truly, truly bizarre. Um, all right, man. So we're, we're at an hour 50 now. Um, do we, did we need to cover anything more? What do you, what do we think? Dude, I think we've hit everything. I think this has been fun. Yeah. Do you, um, do you want to give, and you don't have to, but as much or as little detail as possible. Um, what, what's, what are you feeling right now in the markets? What's, what's your vibe? What's your market outlook for the second half of the year? I don't know. I couldn't even tell you about the second half of the year. I mean, I have the majority of my money in ETFs and I've just been kind of holding Vanguard ETFs. Um, I've been, my biggest holdings have been meta. So I was a meta bag holder at one point. Okay. So I, I started buying meta in 180 and then it kept going down. And then at one point I was down like the, you know, 50% or close to 50%. And I wanted to, you know, whatever, but like, <clears throat> kept buying, kept, kept, um, you know, I got my cost basis probably down to like one thirty or something like that. And then, um, I've been trimming it for sure at this point. Like I'm not, this thing has been on such an absolute tear. Like it's been great. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that it's done well. So I've started, started trimming that. Um, I bought, uh, oh, and then Amazon. I own, I own a decent amount of it. Amazon started buying that in the nineties, but I've held Amazon for a while now. So my cost base is pretty low. Um, I somehow own Nvidia. I've owned Nvidia for a long time, but I wish I, I wish I had more of that. But yeah, I've also bought like, um, I've also bought Roku. Uh, I think that's kind of an interesting play. I'm, I, I don't know how I feel about the management team. I think they're interesting, but they got a decent cash position. I like what they're doing with the, um, the streaming kind of option that they have. And you can kind of see ad revenue beginning to pick up. And I feel like something like that could probably do decently well also i really enjoy the product i know i know a lot of people talk about how um you know it's just a commodity and i don't if you use all the different products i actually don't think that's the case like amazon fire stick is not the same as roku i think roku is a much better product but that's beside the point i think i think there's some like levers that they can pull there you know i don't expect it to go back to like 150 but um you know can it get back to 100 yeah i can see something like that happening um nvidia has been crazy man so I've, so I bought, I bought it like again, a long time ago and I've just been trimming it. Like, I don't know what to do right now. Like I, obviously it's so overly like wild, right? I mean, they're going to, they'll, they're going to shit the bed at some point on one of these quarters. Their last quarter was phenomenal, but they'll shit the bed on, on one of these quarters and it'll be down 25% or something. Um, you know, but I've just been like slowly trimming it. I, you know, I, I don't think that like these valuation levels are sustainable within. So but I, I just love how it's every single week, at least once there's a new, uh, there's a new bank that upgrades it and says, Oh, you know what? Even, even more AI is coming that, that 450 price target we had, ooh, we got to throw that to 550. Dude, it's so like the, the Wall Street analysts are so dumb, man. Like I, I don't really like. There's only a few that I really like, but most of them are just so in the moment. It's incredible. 
Yeah, although that is part of their job description, kind of. To be in the moment, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I... They, I, they, I yeah, you're right. They only get paid, They get, you, you pretty much are, are based off of a quarter. I mean, you, you're, it's probably more like a month, right, with, with some of these people. Um, and so you can't really envision something over like a three-year period. But, I don't, I, yeah, you're probably right. I, I'm, I'm a little too harsh, I think, there. Yeah, I mean, I think I I used to have that view, but I've kind of I've come around to the idea that they they serve a purpose in in the whole kind of chain of uh, the buy side, sell side, and investors and everything. But I just think it's funny how yeah, it, they're just so reactive, right? Because they, uh, you know, Nvidia at Nvidia at one fifty, you know, yeah, it might be a little bit overvalued, not that strong. Crypto is going to have some downside. All right, but Nvidia at 450. Oof, that's when we're that's when we really got to upgrade it because those 2027 numbers, man, we we're right. predicting a lot in 2027. So we got to upgrade now. Right, right. Yeah, I don't. It just is. I don't know. I, that, I, that's I, why I've literally been trimming it since the 200. I just <laughs> been trim. I just like I, I thought it was like overvalued once it hit like 200. Or I'm like, that yeah, I'm I'm gonna start trimming this, and it just doesn't stop a monster well i i mean the quarter was fucking epic i mean it was epic it was epic. People said this was this was like the iphone moment i think that's absolutely true when you go out and you guide for 11 billion of revenue in the streets at seven unbelievable that's insane yeah and it sounds like that's going to keep on going for a while because I'm, I'm reading all these stories about gpu shortages and every single company out there wants gpus NVIDIA itself, they're now, I mean, I love this. I love that they're investing in companies that are using their GPUs. I mean, that's just, that just seems so smart to me to get, if you know you have a great product, then take some equity in a company that's using your product. Fantastic. Yeah, exactly. No, I mean, that's right, right? And then there's just like cross-promotional opportunities, a lot of synergies for sure. Like that makes a lot of sense. I That's why I haven't completely sold out of the position is because um of everything that you said like you have such a blowout quarter you kind of got to just sit back and be like what like is there something special that's happening here like i i don't want to totally like absolve myself from being able to capture some of that upside but also i mean it's this is a hard game right like you don't you don't want to be too greedy but you also like want to be able to capture something if it really is has like an iphone moment here right with gpus um but yeah, I don't know, man. That's I don't I don't know what's gonna happen over the next. I mean, you know, interest rates will probably stay the same. Maybe they'll come down right the back half of the year. Like, but I don't. I have no idea, man. Why don't Why don't we finish it off on this in the spirit of Bill Simmons and one of his favorite guests, Harala Bob? Um, what What's the Bitcoin <laughs> outlook? What's the crypto outlook? Bro, I like him. By the way, I'm a big fan of. I him. do too. Yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I see I'm, you guys. I see you guys dunking on him all the time. Uh, well, I mean, we're doing it. We're doing it for engagement and content on the Twitter. Okay. I mean, of course. Okay. Okay. I'm trying. Yeah, I'm I, trying to grow the follower base, man. Fair, 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 fair. fair. <laughs> yeah. I. I. Yeah. We. I DM'd. We DM'd a couple times back, buddies. Um. Wait. Was what was the last question? What do I think? What's, yeah. What's your Bitcoin? Because Haralabah people. People dislike Haralaba because they think that he – and I did re- – I, I had a guest on in episode 18, Richard, who was on a, a most recent episode as well. And he, he, he had this 
he was saying how Har- I didn't totally get this at the time, but Haralabab basically told the bill that Bitcoin wouldn't go down, so it was a good time to get in. And I got what he was saying as someone who likes Bitcoin, but I had listened to it again from the perspective of someone who wasn't in on it. And it didn't, it did sound a little bit questionable of like, well, the scarcity factor makes it guaranteed to go up. So you should get in low when in reality, like, yes, that, that is the case if everybody else wants to buy in because they view it as a great form of money. It's just, we don't know yet whether other people will want to buy in and think of it as money. So there's there's some critics of Haralabab for for quote unquote pumping Bitcoin and crypto on the BS pod. Interesting. I I I don't know. I mean, like, I think as of right now, I just you know we're I mean on a high level, dude, we're ten plus years into crypto, and where are the use cases for it? You know what I mean? Like, I'm not using Filecoin coin to then go like use it for storage and paying for storage. I've never done that once. Like I'm not using any of these coins um, for the, the, their utility purpose. And so, and, and again, we're like 12 years into this and it's not happening. So part of me just thinks that everything is worthless except Bitcoin, right? Like there, you can actually make an argument for Bitcoin and, you know, obviously like you're in Venezuela, you know, like you have like an inflationary environment. It's better to store your, your money in Bitcoin, you know, whatever that whole, it's very basic stuff. But <clears throat> I do think that there is a unique value to it. I think it's interesting. I think kind of like the ETF stuff will allow it to have actual institutional money. And I do know that there are like, there are large portfolio managers that wouldn't mind exposure to it. Um, Not a big, like, you know, we're talking like 0.3% of a fund. Right. But, but even, but even then, right. Like, you know, I was, I, you know, I worked on a fairly large fund at one of these, uh, asset management companies and you know 0.3 percent would be like a very large sum of money and and it would probably you know drive it up but the majority of it is like nothing right so when people talk about institutions coming in it's it's really kind of nothing um but you know i i do think that like if if any of these things are going to work it's probably going to be bitcoin and i think everything else is probably worthless i do own bitcoin and i own a little ethereum but you know ethereum is more just kind of like a upside optionality like if something does work great then i have like you know i have some form of like <clears throat> money in it um but i think i do think that there is going to be something for bitcoin and it, you know there's less reg- regulatory scrutiny over it it's accepted in terms of like different countries and payments there's been rumors that china might open open up bitcoin mine again you know so like there's i think there's some like levers here but if you just hold it for you know 10 years like i think it'll probably do well but it's really hard to like mathematically prove that right it's 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 hard like i know that you can say like you know the the scarcity like it's going to have right so the amount of bitcoins that you know is going to have etc etc i don't know if i buy that i just think that there's going to be some form of utility associated with it outside of it just being gold and i think that'll help drive um i think that'll help drive price i don't know what do you think yeah, no, that's I, I am very much a Bitcoin, not blockchain guy, um, I think, which is the opposite of the Jamie Diamonds of the world for so long claiming it was blockchain, not Bitcoin. Blockchain's done shit. Blockchain's done nothing. I mean, my, my go to the, the, the previous cycle. So the ICO cycle, I was like, because like everybody's like, oh, my God, like Ethereum is going to be crazy. 
doing all this stuff. And I'm like, wh- like, what do you fucking use Ethereum for in your everyday life? Like, what are you yeah. actually using it for? So no one actually uses it. There's, you know, I'm every, like one of the big things was Ethereum is going to, there's going to be a decentralized Twitter on Ethereum. This is a 2017 bull case for Ethereum. It's 2023, bitches. I mean, where is the decentralized Twitter on Ethereum? So, and then if you look into the technology of Ethereum, I mean, I'm picking on Ethereum because it's the the number two one, but you, you could obviously say this for any of them. Did you see there? There's this guy, um, uh, Packy. Do you know him? Or uh, from Twitter? I've seen his like the blog, the the boring blog or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So or there no, was not boring. Someone, or whatever. It's someone called. at one point asked him uh, to explain like one of the best use cases of of DeFi or crypto. And he he's in the video on the podcast talking about you could put you, you could put real estate on the blockchain. Well, that's essentially just what we have with deeds currently with several extra steps and with a lot less security. So there's things that should be centralized. In fact, most things in the world, I would argue, should be centralized because it makes sense. It saves on computing the choice of Bitcoin to be decentralized. Um, is a choice to improve upon the centralization of money that we currently have. So I'm in complete agreement with you. If anything's going to work, it would be Bitcoin. I am bullish Bitcoin over the long run. But of course, there's no guarantee this thing this thing works. Um, for anyone that would be interested in buying some, there's a significant amount of research that you should do before you do it. And so that's where I kind of think that Bill... You know what? You know Bill's having Haralabob on in like mid twenty one when <laughs> stocks are going nuts. Bitcoin sixty nine k, and he gives H Bob like five minutes at the end of a podcast to talk Bitcoin. That's where that's where I think it probably rubbed people the wrong way. I would be interested, and I I think this would be a legitimate idea. Like e- either give H Bob his own podcast to talk about whatever he wants to talk about, which could be Bitcoin. Um, or give Haralabob like a little bit more time on the next BS pod to talk about this stuff. Because Dude, if he had five if, minutes, if, that's not enough time. If he had his own pod, that'd be awesome. I could listen to that guy talk forever. Like, I think he's super. His whole life is so interesting to me. Like, he became like an expert gambler. Then he like got into crypto. Now he owns a soccer team out in Europe. You know what I mean? It's it's just so weird. It's like so like out of left field but i'd be very intrigued to listen to that guy talk and how he thinks through a lot of stuff yeah no totally um he yeah he would be fascinating i i I just think what's going to happen is he he will come back and take a victory lap on the bs pod if and when bitcoin reaches a new high (laughs) good for for him (laughs) that'd be really funny and and if if he does do that bill simmons should give this guy like a Give him more than five minutes to talk about Bitcoin because because right. if you only give him five minutes, you're going to annoy people that are either totally out of it and for people that are curious of it, really you should talk about it for more than five minutes. So that's kind of my – if Bill Simmons, if you're listening to the Our Bill Simmons podcast two hours in with the great TikTok investors, if you are listening, give her all about more time next podcast. Yeah. There is a hundred percent chance that Bill never would never listen to this. I wonder if Bill is like secretly checks out the uh, sub. 
You know, that's a good it's a good question. We I've debated this uh back and forth with a lot of people. I you know, actually, did you see that we interacted with Mina Kimes recently? I did see that and she was sad <laughs> that you had that, that subreddit. That made me laugh. That was pretty funny. Yeah, so the reason I bring up Mina Kimes in this discussion is because there was some back and forth with with me and her, um, which was hilarious. But then I was looking at some of her other comments, and the context here is that Mina, if this wasn't unprompted. Mina asked people for subreddits they should check out. Someone suggested the Simmons subreddit. I saw that comment commented. But there were other comments, and what ended up happening was she responded to somebody and, and, and said, oh, she first said, it's pretty sad, the sub. I checked it out one time. It was sad. And okay. then someone said, really? like, And then she responded. She's like, well, I generally like the sub, but one time I went on there and saw comments about me and my friends, and I decided just kind of mental health-wise, I probably shouldn't be reading this. So They I peruse think, it, dude. They peruse it. Well, so my, my take on that is that I think that's probably what Bill thinks, but I think people might send him stuff, but I would be more willing to think that Rosillo is actually reading the sub. So that's kind of my take. What do you think? Rosillo 1000% is he's probably in there like once a week. He's probably mixing it up. Yeah. He's probably on like a burner Reddit account. He's in there like talk, like spicing things up. Like I could see, I could definitely see Rosillo doing that. I bet you, I bet you KOC when it, I bet you KOC has gone in it and I bet you he's laughed a couple of times um, looking at some of the stuff. And I bet you, Bill, to be honest, I bet you he probably doesn't go in there. I bet you he has, and I bet you he's seen stuff. And I think he probably is like, no, I'm just, I'm just going to like delete this from my life because it's just going give, to give me misery to see people commenting about everything I, I say and all my hot takes. So, but I do think Rosillo probably is in it for sure. Well, and, and you're aware that Bill blocked the this account, right? I, yeah, I mean it makes sense, man. I can I can see why he blocked it. Like, <laughs> I yeah, I can see why too. He it. Well, Bill's got to realize that um, you know the the R Bill Simmons podcast is to Bill Simmons as Bill Simmons was to Mike Francesa and you know Rick Riley back in the the late nineties. Or the Boston Globe guys when Bill's making a name for himself. Like, Bill fucking shredded ESPN and the WEI radio guys in Boston when he was writing at Digital City Boston. So, like, Bill Simmons, you should, ha- you should have some respect for people that are, like, that were in your position. Like, you got to fight against the top of the pyramid here. That's how you make a name for yourself. So that's what we're doing with Bill. <laughs> he just wants to put that out of his mind totally that's funny well i agree with that yeah all right man well i think uh i think we we had a great one here i think we crushed it we covered it all um any any closing words here no man i mean this has been fun i'm glad i finally got on it um you know i'm in the i'm in the reddit um like i said probably like once a day um yeah dude it's just entertaining it's just really fun it's like it's good to like it's good to get in this thing i didn't know so many people enjoyed it i didn't know so many people were into it and i didn't even know i was really into it until i went to the to the reddit right you know what i mean and it's like oh like i think about these things but i've never like expressed these things to anybody before and so um so yeah no dude i've really enjoyed it it's been fun 
Love it, man. Well, really appreciate your time. Obviously, a decent amount of time on this one. And then, yeah, look, if you're if you're ever hot on anything Bill Simmons related again, um, by all means, man, come by. Welcome anytime. And um, as as the listeners will see, we're we're kind of doing some group episodes. So uh, we're we're doing re-listenables now. So we'll listen to a former. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll we'll listen to a former Bill podcast, and then we. We bring a group on to discuss it. So if you, if anyone listening really, but you specifically TikTok uh, investors, if you have a podcast of, of bills that you like and you listen to it again, and you want to talk about it on the pod, um, let me know and we can set that up. Sounds good, man. Definitely. All right, man. Well, cheers. Cheers to the listeners. Cheers to you. And uh, we'll see everybody around the sub. All right, guys. Thank you. See ya.